Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, excited about this pod. A little late, technical difficulty, but it's resolved now. And this pod, college football, perfect combination of the college knowledge, the picks, the insights, the disagreements, the best bats, Esler, Brad, Fezzik, Ken Thompson, Ken Thompson's biceps, 24 inches. I don't know if you guys know that. But also some good stories, but limited. Because I've heard you, and we're going to do something a little different, I think, starting next week. Uh, but And what we may do, and I'm pretty sure we're going to do, is have two versions of this pod and one of them will have the whole thing, and it will come out as this one typically does, overnight Tuesday into Wednesday a.m. And then maybe by 4 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday, we'll have a version with just the picks with everything else edited out. We'll try that for a while, and you can pick which one you want. A lot of people love the stories and the, the busting of the chops. A lot of people just want the picks. Just the facts, just the picks. Now, what do you do with picks? Well, you bet them. Now, what's funny is a lot of people listen to Paul don't even bet. But if you do and you win, you know how valuable, additional, reliable outs are. What's an out? It's a place to bet. If you have one, you need two. If you have two, you need three. If you have three, you're okay. Four, five, six, seven. Fez has 29 outs. So every out increases the chance that that one out is going to give you a better number. And every time you get a better number by half a point, by a cent on the money line, that means that you, in the long term, are winning more money. In the long term, net-net, you're doing better is the best way to say it. So... You're thinking, well, wait a minute, RJ. If I can do better, what's it costing me? Well, it costs you a little bit of time, but no money. And what do I mean by that? First off, we're talking about BetDSI.com. We'll be talking about them later in the show. Also, why are they making such a push with Podcast One? Because NFL kicks off. They know this is the time people say, you know, it's worth that little bit of effort. All right, so you go to betdsi.com and you use this special promo code BELL101, B-E-L-L-101, and you get a 100% bonus match. That's a special offer, BELL101, promo code, 100% bonus match. Best of all, if you're listening to the Dream Preview as you are, you should be hitting over 50%, which means... Even if you don't like BetDSI, you're going to be in a situation where you're wit- you'll be able to turn it over enough that you have some of that bonus left because you're winning more than 50%. And thus, you've got a free roll to see if you like the book. All right, we talked about the information. What do you do with the information? Well, most of you bet it. And if you do, and if you win, you know that the more outs you have, the better your net results will be. Why? Because every additional out increases the chance that that out has the best number, and that best number gives you the best result. See, best, best. That makes sense. 
Now, BetDSI.com, B-E-T, then D-S-I.com. Special offer, promo code BELL101, B-E-L-L-101. 100% bonus match. Now, you might think, bonus, that sounds good. And some people say, oh, it's like winning a bet. Yeah, yeah, you can think of it that way. Here's the way I think of it. You don't know BetDSI.com, meaning you don't know how much you're going to like it. The bonus allows you to test it out, and effectively, if you just hit 50%, at the end of the bonus where you bet it as much as you need to to potentially withdraw it, let's assume in this case you don't like BetDSI, though most people do, if you hit 50%, you won't have any bonus to withdraw, but you will break even effectively. That's the theoretical. And if you do, it means you got to test a potential new out at no cost. And the time you spent, well, there was a lot of fun involved. Now, most of you, based on history, are going to like bad DSI. If you do, not only did you get to test it for free, but now you got an asset. What's that asset? An additional out. And over the course of a season, course of a year, it's humongous. It's humongous. Five years, humongous times five. BetDSI.com. There's no better time to do this. It's the start of the NFL. That's why they're doing such a push. We'll be talking more about it later in the show during the one commercial break. Now's the time. BetDSI.com. Promo code Bell101. 100% bonus match. Get an additional out. And here comes the information you'd bet. Let's do it. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. And yes, it's college football. Week two, but did week one really count because Brad lost and Ken Thompson wasn't here edition with my wise guy roundtable. To my left, all the college knowledge, Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik, not a college expert. I mean, he's probably 99.9 percentile, but around here, I'm surprised he's not asking for plus 110 and... You've been waiting. Here he is. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy. Ken Thompson. Good to see you. RJ Bell. (laughs) So, you know, new season. What was our bets last week? We didn't have the printouts. Did I? Yeah, me and Fess had one. I beat him there. Okay. That's where not good. So, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get... All right, so let's get that out of the way. Brad, you had a, a bad start. Very bad start, RJ. And it, it, here's the question. We've always said the only way you can lose with winning information, only way to lose with winning information is if you stop betting it. Or if you really, by saying stop betting the information, saying you start betting another way. The last thing you want... So what was your record? A, pre, a premium pick? One and eight. Whoa, I didn't know. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, huh? Hey, now. <laughs> how did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> was there How many bad beats were in there? 
like two. <laughs> Any easy? Was the one win a nice clean one? It was. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did that win come in the sequence? Like right away. Oh, so you're like, here we go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, RJ, I got to get it in here. Because the game started out bad. It was Rutgers, and Brad got the best number early on a Friday night, and they're losing 21 to 7. Brad so this goes, is the easy win he's talking about? This is about? the easy yeah. win. Wait, they're down 21 7, and he's laying. Now he's laying on the 10 and a half, but everybody else what? could be playing, yeah. laying 17 and a half. The yeah. line moves seven points. But Rutgers got it together. 31 0. They outscored him in the second quarter, went on to just blow Oh, wait. Out. So the score was. 21-7 after the first quarter. First quarter. And then they outscored him 41-0 for yep. the rest of the game. <laughs> so based upon when you want him to score, it's either the beginning matters or the end matters. Because Fez will often say, the, well, yeah, but yeah. that's inconvenient sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah so, true. So what, tell, give us just one, the one bad beat that you really want to put your hat behind. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll just start with USC. No, no, you're going to tell one, so All you're right. not starting anywhere. All right. USC is the, the one that really bothers me because, I mean, they Oh, because a quarterback got hurt? Well, yeah, they were going to win and That's cover not a game. bad beat. Oh. When I you mean, first of all, winning... how do you know what they were going to do? Because you were... could have said the same thing when it was 21-7 against Rocker. What was the score when the quarterback went out? They were up seven. They weren't covering at that point. But you knew they were going to cover. <laughs> Dude. They'd been better than the true freshmen. You know, we've. KT, you were at the game. I was. That man. offense was totally different in the second half. All right. So it's a good time to get to this yeah. quickly. Let's get Ken's thoughts first and your second. The quarterback change, obviously, for USC. What does it mean? Let's just get quantified with points. I know you don't think like this a ton, Ken, but how many points is this down? Is this downgrade for the with the new quarterback? You know, the upside is good with the kid that's replacing him, but he's got a lot of growing up to do. So I'll say three and a half points. Wow. What do you sharp? Think? Three and a half, four points is what I have it. So it's sharp because you he agrees with you. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying, they wow, I agree. Yeah. It's like, man, you're sharp. Where'd your number come from? Oh, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about what the market is downgraded. You know what's too. funny? We could stop this recording and not record another part of this year, and you know Brad Powers. Yeah. This guy knows his stuff. He had a lot of bad habits when he came in on the turnip truck, but <laughs> we've beat a lot of those out of him, seriously. And the two remaining ones, are, he has a really weird definition of a bad beat, very generous to himself. <laughs> and number two, I'd say, is the fact that he thinks he is the—in the, a way, you got to think this. But even if you think—like, Fez, you think you're the best NFL guy, right? Sure. But if three other guys you respect are against you, it causes you pause. I usually pass. I'm not asking about the pick, but on any opinion. Brad doesn't. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. Really? Because I'm not sure you really respect anyone. Now, I'm not saying Billy Wall. I think when Malinsky was with us, alive and with us, that. uh, But you were young. I wonder how you'd be with him now. That's true. I mean, you deferred a lot. Now, Fez did it, and they, they yeah. were like uh, oil and water. Because <laughs> right? they two people, two of the best, maybe the two best out there at the time, and they did not, when they, they were so used to deference from everybody. Oh, okay, Fez. Okay, Mr. Malinsky. And when they would go <laughs> at it, I was stuck in the middle. I'm sure you handled yourself well. You know what's funny, though? I was the same way with Malinsky, meaning... 
it's kind of weird. When we were doing, and by the way, guys, I've made a commitment. You know, we'll have to put a clock on it. That's interesting. Because here's what we're going to start doing. Whenever I got a story, we're going to throw it at the end of the pod. In context and everything. But the theory is if you want the picks, because obviously many, many people like the whole, the full Monty. Others just want the picks. We're going to really front load the picks. Not perfectly, but we're going to front load them. Then we'll tell stories, reminisce, whatever. That way, if you want to hear them, great. If you don't, it's a choice at the end of the pod. That's sad. Quick story. If, no, no. <laughs> but just the facts, when we were with Malinsky, or Malinsky was with pregame, he was writing his article exclusively and doing the pods. First year, I think, of the pods. I think the first year we did it, we were averaging like seven or 8,000 lessons. Uh, SoundCloud only. And then the second year we did it, we surged, or so we thought, and did, uh, well, I guess relatively, and did a 20, high 20s, 27, 28,000. That's for NFL and college, you know, probably a little different. College, about 70% of that. As we talk about, we're proud of it. I think by any objective, or by listeners, uh, this is the most popular sports betting pod out there, and the NFL edition has upwards of 400,000 listeners a week. Gigantic. We think we can grow. Help us by telling your buddies. College does, you know, 70% of that because it's just not as many college fans. Now, is that because Malinsky was so bad? No, he was great. But in a way, initially, I was a little intimidated because he is or was, again, he passed away, um, you know, one of the real... You know, a guy worked for Billy Walters for over a decade. So, I mean, think about it. And I think what it did was it held me back from letting, you know, my per- my creativity out, which could be good sometimes, but obviously, you know, it's one of the drivers of the pod. So it's kind of weird. And there's a great line in NYPD Blue to finish the one story before where Lieutenant Fancy was talking to a kid that he was thinking of, uh, like, fostering. Uh, he was like 16, 17, and his parents had had a, had a lot of trouble. Um, I think it was drugs. And he said, we never know what the past means until we, until you see how you react to it. So you can think of a hundred, and again, this isn't a grand example, but Malinsky, not on the pod anymore, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, one of the best guys out there. One of the anchors of the pod, he's gone. And maybe we could have said, ah, forget the pod. Or let's not have ambitions about the pod. Let's accept it's going to be small. <clears throat> Instead, we kept going. And in hindsight, the pod improved because not because he didn't contribute a lot, because in a way we had to get creative without him. And Fez, I think you more so have come in your own as a media guy since then. And again, since you weren't being so adversarial. I mean, I'm not saying you had anything to do with his untimely accident, but... Oh, my. (laughs) It is interesting, guys. Think about what could happen other than dying. And then, obviously, for you, that's the end, at least on this side, is what could happen that you're sure it's bad? Because all the time people talk about they went blind, you know, struck blind, and it was a great thing for them. Now, most people go blind and say it's horrible, right? You would think. 
But some are going to say it was about, and all I'm saying is what we, you know, oh, you're going to get married. She leaves you the day of the wedding. Is that good or bad? It seems bad. You don't know. And to me, that's a powerful concept because I've always been one to wish for certain results and be happy when they happen. And as I've gotten older, I kind of see, yeah, I think this is for the best. And when it happens, I'm happy, but I'm always like, I'm not sure. And then when it doesn't happen, you know, I guess the one example of that would be a great one for us. We used to do an ESPN show here in town for five years. It was on ESPN, 10 a.m., local time. It was the first show in the block of the local shows here at the time. And then I had, you know, there's a business dispute with the company. No problem. It was just we disagreed and I didn't get my way. So as usual, I, I stick to my guns and I walked away. And I thought it was like April, and I thought, well, what could I do? So I reached out to Podcast One. I knew Mike August just a little bit, who's Adam Kroll's guy. Boom, within a couple of days, we had to deal with them. On with Adam, partnering. Reached out to Scott Shapiro, Fox Sports Radio. Within like a week, we had a weekend show. One year of that, and now we're, you know, Dan Patrick calling Cowherd, Doug Gottlieb, and us straight out of Vegas. Was that bad that we left a place we were at five years? ESPN in town? It seemed like it, but it wasn't. So, Brad, this one in eight could be very bad. It was. <laughs> or maybe it's going to be something that springboards you. I hope so. Did you find yourself working extra hard? Yeah. All right. Well, well was... it, it got me thinking because it's the second. Yeah, see, I'm worried about that, though. No, no. It's the second straight year that I've just absolutely started off very poorly, RJ. And last year I still had a banner season, but I, it got me rethinking what am I missing in the off season? That's what it got me oh, thinking. Oh, now that about. interests me. What I'm a little worried about is later you're going to talk about some macro stuff in regards to returning starters. Second, It seems like there's some tr- stuff that is – consensus when it comes to handicapping early. Yep. Phil still being a guy you were for 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 7 years is uh, he's one of the guys that's really quantified returning starters. Yep. And it seems like you're starting to wonder. And why don't we do this? Let's talk about that real quick cuz we're on it. We're going to get Ken's main takeaway and then we're going to get to the games and then at the end we're going to talk about some more recap stuff from week 1. Let's talk about this idea of returning starters. So, I mean, one thing when you're evaluating, hey, is the team going to be improved? Are they going to take a step back from the year, you know, the previous season? You look at, hey, what's the returning experience level? What's the easiest way to look at that? How many returning starters do you have? And I just found it interesting because a lot of the teams that I was on this past week were going to be more experienced than they were the previous year. So the thought process is, hey, this team's going to be better this year. Well, the most experienced teams in the country – 15 or more returning starters out of the 22 went 11 and 20 against the spread this year. Teams, the inexperienced teams, 10 or fewer returning starters. Those teams actually were a positive. So they're inexperienced. It's week one. They should be at a negative. Those teams went 12, 9, and 1 against the spread, RJ. It kind of blows me away. I mean, when you're looking not only at returning starters, one of the things I look at, Brad, right away is offensive linemen. I mean, I'll look at both sides of the trenches, but really for me, offensive linemen, especially if I have new skill position players, because I want to know that I'm going to have some time, you know, some continuity there on that offensive line to give my quarterback or give my running backs an opportunity to gain some yardage. 
that is, a, I think, a key point from Ken Thompson. I don't know what numbers we're going to come up with. You're going to look at last year yep. in the interim. We'll have out on Straight Out of Vegas. Also, we'll tweet out the research, Brad Power 7. By the way, Brad, real quick, <laughs> did you, you ended up listening to your uh, pod, our pod with Colin. I right? did. How was it? It was good. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm, if you don't think you were good there, you're being too hard on yourself. It was good. I know people often say RJ's too easy on the media guys. Nah, I, I just could have been better, RJ. So, but the thing is, if you try to be perfect in the moment, it ruins the show because there's no spot in it. Like, let's be candid. My best lines were bold type jokes because, again, I'm not a college guy. I had a couple good things, but joking, don't bring up Baker Mayfield stuff. You can't yeah. prepare for that. And Agreed. also, if but I'm not nervous. As good as that. If you're nervous but, about being perfect. You don't say those kind of things. Mm, good point, right? I listen. All I know is, call and guys. This is the truth. Colin texted me after and complimented me for being smart enough to hire Brad. Now that is a hell of a po- co- podcast performance. Most talented guy on sports radio, in my opinion. I like other people, but I think Colin's number one. And listen, his compliments don't come easy, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking from experience, yeah. you should feel proud. I mean, I did. I mean, I was a kid. I was texting my, I was oh, like, who texting my parents. I'm like, look what Colin said about me. So here's what I'll say for sure about Ken's point. I believe that the offensive line cohesion, and I don't know where that number is, meaning is it three returning starters of the five? You know, uh, not I think count- sometimes looking at career starts can be a better thing. That's interesting, though. But if you have two guys that are seniors, that depends on the it, position. Yeah. I want to look at left tackle more, more often than center. Those are the two key. Left tackle and center. Okay. Um, and that's why I think the approach of just saying returning starters is BS. And is that what Phil does? He doesn't have a no, way to weight them? No, he's got an experience chart. That, and, and that wh- it, percentage of tackles, percentage of yards. Okay, so he's saying based on what this person contributed to the overall stats. How many? So in a way, it's how many wins are returning. It's how many... Of these key stats yep. are returning. Yep. And why not you? Like, do you tend to use that more than just a yeah, game? Yeah, I cap? use that. Okay. Because to me, Fez, this is back to the idea of what's the value of any player. It's relative to the backup. So if you've got a, a, a multiple-year starter that's now gone who was an average player, unless you're a really bad program, why would you think, you know, Mike Lombardi talks about we're one injury away from being a good team. Meaning sometimes you got that guy in there. He's there because of inertia. There's a younger guy behind him. It feels risky. Tom Brady, obviously, though, who could have predicted that? Yep. Wouldn't we agree? Quarter. I mean, having a quarterback come back or not come back is worth what ten linebackers? <laughs> yeah. So how? I mean, how do you weight it? Oh, I mean, quarterbacks worth like no, no. But what I'm saying is, do you have an algorithm for this, or do you just eyeball it? I eyeball it. So we think about eyeballing is you can't even do back. You can't research it. You can't figure out if I tweak this, if I made the threshold 28 instead of 38, yep. right? It's just eyeball. So maybe that's a good off-season project. Is a, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to tackle one big question in the NFL, one big question in college football each off-season. Because yep. there's only like six or eight big questions, right? And by the time we're done, the game will have changed enough. We'll have to do them all again. Yeah. We'll have six or eight more questions. Here's my thing. Can I agree with O-line cohesion? And, again, we're only talking early in the year. Once you see how good the players are, 
and they start getting experience. We're talking trend lines, right? And to me, I also think Texas is a unique or an on-point example because I think when you go upgrade coaches, you upgrade your recruiting. Yep. I'd rather have one of Herman's recruits that's a sophomore than I would some senior that the prior coach recruited. I'm okay. saying all things equal. Yep. So, I agree with that. Because part of your analysis pretty much the whole offseason about Texas is, oh, they lost 20, right? Yep. What's the numbers? They're the most inexperienced Power 5 team in the country. I'm excited about that because I'm thinking – Unless we're looking at these players saying, oh, he can't recruit and all the five stars are BS, wouldn't you rather want those guys coming of age? They're certainly got more talent in their freshman and sophomore classes than they did in their junior, senior classes. And I hear what you're kind of saying, which is they're going to be whatever they are, they're going to be better later. Yes. The trend line. But it doesn't mean they're crap now. Good point. That's something I didn't grasp, I don't think. Yeah. Didn't what? I haven't grasped that. I okay, can't say yeah, that. grasp. Yeah. yeah, but uh, sometimes too, it's the coach itself, and you mentioned Herman, and I'll just uh, equate it to an NFL with Sean McVay coming in and making Jared Goff a guy that I thought was going to be a bust in the league after his first couple years under Fisher. Just to be clear, unless I'm mistaken, it was one year with Fisher, right? Yeah, just one. Right, one. Yeah, but no, yeah, good. Listen, if any, think about it, Fez, NFL. If you're going to bet on any quarterback being a bust, that was a high, high pick. After their first season, who would be higher than God? I mean, even some of the ones that were bus. Rosen. <laughs> really? Uh, no, Rosen. Oh, man, I tell you, I don't know if we add in what's happened this, you know, this offseason, but I would, uh, I would actually put Rosen amongst the ones that played the worst in their first season. You know, let's say last five years. Number one, first-round picks that played the worst. Who would I want 10% of their salary or, you know, whatever? It'd be Rosen. Because I thought the O line, because of the handy was dealt, the coach and, and the O line. Yeah, the I, coach I, got fired in one year, yeah. which is so rare. But if all we were looking at is how bad they played, he'd be right, right. at the top of the list, no doubt. But golf, I thought, I, at the time, there's been this revisionist history with Fisher, how bad he was. The guy was what two yards from a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying that he was. I'm not saying that he was good or bad. I don't really know to be honest. But I know it seems easy to say, well. Uh, you can't count so-and-so's stats. He was under Fisher. Yeah, like, I, when did that start? He couldn't have been that bad. He was a head coach for 20 years. And games do pass you by. And I yeah, think at this point, yeah. in a weird way, making Kingsbury, giving Kingsbury any chance to succeed is only based on the game changing. Because mm-hmm. if he was coaching a normal offense, you'd be like, why is this guy? Okay. Ken, you had – so net-net, I guess your conclusion is one and eight sucks. Yes. <laughs> and you got a long history of winning. We've seen it right here. What was your best bets on the pod last year, college? Like 68%. I mean, it was a good year. Yes. And doesn't mean it's going to be 68% this yeah. year, but I can promise you, I can vouch, Brad's done the work. How would you rate your work this offseason compared to years past? Like a typical offseason. All right. I would say a, even a little more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for you, it's watching the, the spring games. Well, no question. I mean, I watch as many spring games as I've done any, any other year. You have me thinking, like, more broader topics, though. So I, I, I think I'm a better, like, analytical thinker of the market than when I was three, four years ago. 
And I, and, I, and let's be candid. You mentioned the market. I, Faz, to me, if, if you said Faz, the books are the same for the lacrosse or something he's never handicapped, meaning Pinnacle is this sharp. So and so, He looks at that screen, and if he had to bet 100 lacrosse picks, he's going to beat anyone. He's nodding, saying, I don't want to say yes, but he's right. Is that right? <laughs> it's funny. I mean, he's like nodding. <laughs> he's moving left to right with his hips. Like, I don't even know what that means. That's right, RJ. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. I mean, we got it, Faz. We got it. So you and Faz close. I mean, you spent a lot of time together. You got obviously on all the shows. I think he helps you there. And, and, and again, thank you for the credit. But to me, the macro stuff is what I'm best at. But number two, you add that to the detail that you've got. That's why I like to have different, like Fezzik is not a player's guy in college. We got two of those. We don't need that. We need a market guy. Yep. And for me, it's jokes and stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I bring the ha ha. <laughs> okay, Ken, you had a takeaway. And I agree with you here. That Oregon game, wowza. Yeah, that was as bad as it gets if you had Oregon and a team that's, you know, got it wrapped up. And then uh, at least against the spread, you're thinking, gosh, worst case scenario, I'm going to lose by two. You know, you got three, three and a half, four, depending when you played it. But you're sitting fat. Auburn, to me, throwing the ball, you know, the two times to get one first time to the 18 was a beautiful pass. So I can understand maybe coming back with something short and sweet, uh, maybe to try and get five, six more yards for your field goal. Kicker. But remember, that's the, con- that's the concern of why they, even passing was right. a mistake. To the, but the, the play that got him to the 18 was a beautiful crossing pattern to the 18 and going out of bounds in stride and nobody near Which the they guy. needed that to be in, pass, in range. Right? It was a throw with confidence too. So I felt good and there was still enough time that, you know, even if you get stopped, that you're going to get to the line of scrimmage, mm. you can spike because you had nine seconds left at the end of the game when the, after they scored. If you watch that final play in the touchdown drive, Oregon blitz, and if it's not for Bo Nix like stepping up a little bit, moving to the right, I mean he could have easily gotten sacked on that play. How much of an idiot would Gus Malls on? And be? if McKinley ever turns around and looks for yeah. the ball, the ball was that badly thrown yeah. that the ball should have been picked. Now for those that say, "Oh, he threw it back shoulder," you're not sh- you're not throwing back shoulder there. You're trying to hit the guy in stride because, yeah. like you said, if they a long play like that, you, there's no guarantee that there's enough time left. Yep. I mean, just think about <laughs> if you had Oregon and you were thinking anything but. A touchdown. a touchdown. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What I was thinking, no doubt. And here's the thing: I got a. So I you had Oregon. Can't. I had Oregon, ah. but I, I wasn't. Here, I was not here last week. So Brad's one and eight was better than better than my zero oh and six. Zero oh and three on Friday. Zero oh and three on Saturday. And twice took that theory that has worked for me over the last few years as far as that continuity on the offensive line lost both times utah state burned me they had four new offensive linemen wisconsin burned me they had four and they didn't just burn me they blew me away and that's my wife's team of course she's from outside of madison so i think i i've got one of those deals there those rules that i may not bet against wisconsin anymore i'm already gonna owe brad over the win total i could see that coming are you done i am now (laughs) i just want to make sure we keep the music on as long as you need it (laughs) <laughs> so, listening to you there, Ken, it sounds like you fade the inexperienced teams' O-line more than play on the teams with experience. 
on the road, especially. Mm. Both, both those games were on the road, and I, that's where I thought I had a, a good opportunity. And uh, you know what? You learn, and that's the whole thing. You hope to that's do well. That's the paradox, though. Imagine Fez owning, or uh, I always used to say Steve Wynn. I guess you can't anymore. The casino owner sitting up in the eye in the sky and said, oh, oh, We've lost eight of the last nine hands at blackjack on table 14. Shut that (laughs) thing down. down. (laughs) How dumb would that be? So everyone's trying. To me, what I'm worried about is as things evolve where public handicappers get so much scrutiny. Scrutiny's good. The question is, how do you respond to the scrutiny? And this is a story I'm going to save to the end of the pod where my probably or certainly my artistic hero, Bob Dylan, taught us. Or he said he doesn't think he could have became who he is today if he had grown up during today. Because the theory being, and I'll get into it, if you're being watched so closely, you're afraid to make mistakes. And to me, that's what I always tell these guys. Take take a shot. Because worst thing, if it's horrible, meaning on air, we have fun with it. And Fez takes that a little overboard, but still. We have fun with it. And everyone who's got Banana Song 33 and a half minutes <laughs> and went under, you just lost. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and to me, this is a, an interesting point, is the idea if you say, I'll, let's just use letter grades, A through F. I, I never want worse than a B, but I don't get anything extra for A's. What are you going to do? Going to be rock solid. Yep. But if I say we can do it 10 times and we're only taking the best, well, I want to see you go crazy. I want to see you do it as a girl. I want to see you do it as a boy, as an old man, like an actor, right? Here's one for the the saying they say goes, I've, I've never heard this on set, but the saying would be one for me and one for you. The director says, do it my way, and then you can do it your way. It doesn't matter, right? As, I mean, obviously, at a certain point, you run out of time. So I just don't want Brad or Ken or anyone to think, uh-oh, I went one and eight. If I keep doing the same thing, people is really going to get mad, so now I'm going to change. But should you change? That's all that matters. Mm. Should you change? Now, one and eight should get you looking. Still a small sample. Yes. I'm RJ Val. We are the Dream Preview. All right. I think we're ready for the games, huh? Yep. You know, we do it every time. Showtime! Woo! The Ohio State Buckeyes trademark. <laughs> 16 like and a half Cincinnati. I've got some theories on this. I'm going to let people sit back. Now, Fez, again, he's, here's a guy, quite frankly, that isn't a college expert like Brad and Ken, but he knows his stuff. You like this game. Yeah, I like Cincinnati. And I got to tell you, RJ, I watch a whole lot of college football, and my eye test sometimes trumps everything else. And what did I see when UCLA played their opening game against Cincinnati? I saw Cincinnati win by just 10 points on the scoreboard, and it was almost only a three-point win, but they dominated. They crushed UCLA. Now, it did show up in the box score. They outgained UCLA by 200, but I can make the case it was even worse than that. UCLA got one of their touchdowns on a short pass, broken tackle, an extra 50 yards, yards after catch. So, well, Hold on a second. They had one score that was – Yards after the catch. In a given game, what's the average number that Chip Kelly's offense is going to get of those type of plays? Not More sh- than one, right? I'm not so sure. In that game. Oh, not, so now we're going to totally reevaluate. Chip Kelly's no good at offense. 
Well, he was he was no good in this game against Cincinnati. They were lucky to get to 14 points, frankly, in that game. But that's what I'm saying is how you could look at it a couple ways is, oh, I would expect UCLA and a Chip Kelly offense to have at least two or so of these breakaway plays. They only had one. Well, I'd expect him to have guys that, that would break away and have big pass plays, not to be like totally wrapped up and make a broken tackle that just should never occur. I mean, dude, it's so funny because they only scored 14 points. Instead of making that the story, you're trying to make it where it's – if they had scored three, would you explain why the field goal they got was lucky because the wind was blowing a certain way? The bottom line is that Chip Kelly offense got completely shut down. Okay, so hard to debate that one. Now, the question is, why? So, Brad, you had a lot of optimism. You know, we got to remember with Colin, or whenever we do this, when's that thing coming out? Yeah. Because I do think oh, one of the— Oh, my God, that hurt my pod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Talk about UCLA. Um, you've been optimistic about them. What did you say? Well, I mean, I'm still kind of optimistic, but the, the thing I was optimistic about was I saw UCLA's offense start to work at the end of last season. It had nothing to do with, you know, the opponent because I can make a strong case. They were playing some of the strongest opponents at the end of last season, and they're averaging nearly 500 yards per game. To me, the optimism was the quarterback. I thought in the second year, he's a sophomore. Last year, he's playing as a true freshman. Dorian Thompson Robinson would make a step. And RJ, he played about as bad as any quarterback played this past weekend. Eight out of 26 with four turnovers. That was one of the major reasons why that Chip Kelly offense didn't work against Cincinnati. And their running back got scratched the day of the game, which was a exactly. big loss. Josh Kelly's one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. Nobody knew anything even prior to the game. It's just you flip on the TV and it's like he's in uniform. Oh, he's not going to play today. So that was a big loss. How did the line, Did we do we recall how the line moved right when that Information became public. Information I don't think became public until after kickoff. Yep, they actually talked about him playing second half. Ah, okay. All right. So one of the narratives out there is, oh, Chip Kelly's innovation edge has decreased in nothing. Now, one of the things I try not to do is act like I understand offense enough. You know, the D backs coach for Ohio University understands a lot more football than I do. So I could try to be a lesser version of him, whatever his name is, or I could admit what I don't know, which makes things a lot easier. We None of us know it at that level, even an assistant coach in the MAC. So wh- the people you trust, because there are more and more of these film guys, they, they are former players of breaking down film. I think it's so insightful. Amongst the people you respect, Brad, how many? What percentage do you think are thinking Chip Kelly schematically things have passed him by, and how many don't? Ooh, I think it's it's probably fifty fifty. But I would say if there's any lean, it would be that the game hasn't passed him by. And you're on that side. I'm on that side because even watching that game, Fez, I he had a couple of really good play calls. The quarterback just didn't execute. There was one crossing pattern, guys wide. But part of part of Chip Kelly is supposed to be developing your quarterback. That's too, where right? that's yeah. where I think he's missed it because he had a Mariota, a guy that's seventy percent completion ratio. He's got a guy now in Dorian Thompson Robinson, and it's two guys out of Bishop Gorman right here in Vegas that have floundered. Tate Martell, and also the the same thing here. I'm thinking these guys are playing such patsy schedules over here in Nevada as far as high school football, yes, they go outside and play some of the big boys early. And they had three myth- mythical championships there at Bishop Gorman. And I look at the two quarterbacks, though. Both have struggled mightily. Martell thought transferring from Ohio State to Miami, he's got the job. He's not even starting. They, they actually dropped him to third on the depth chart. And then I watched 
Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I questioned Brad. I go, Brad, are you sure? He goes, trust me, KT. I watched the spring game. He looks like he's put on some muscle. He looks like he's throwing the ball a lot better. Eight for 26. And those eight, probably four of them were off target. I tell you, I think sometimes it gets old to keep saying this, but sometimes we got to realize this kid's 19, right? Yes. True think sophomore. What, think about what you were doing when you were 19, Brad. <laughs> I was still working at a pet store. I mean, but what, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, God, 19, 20, 23, yeah. 25, yeah. 27. I mean, there was no rhyme. I mean, obviously you are who you are to some degree. Then you do goofy shit. Yep. Right? So maybe he fought with his girlfriend. I mean, in a weird way, it all evens out. But I, don't th- I think if there's any sport you can't take one game too seriously, it's got to be college football. Yep. Just because football itself, you know, the ball isn't round, as they say, and thus it's ran- or the randomness of it, the luck of it's big and bounces funny. And also these are kids. Yep. And I they can- really don't play that many competitive games. I agree. There's like, you know, for Alabama, how many get, we're going to try to divine that, you know, they covered and actually it was the opposite, right? My hedge would have went in the shitter, but yeah, it's funny, yeah, but still the fact that it felt so strange that they didn't, it almost made, it doesn't make my point, but it makes me think in those spots, I do like that because I think it could go my way so much easier. We got unlucky. It felt painful the to go day that after way. After our podcast, Alabama got four guys suspended for the first half. Oh, is that how it went? Yeah, but, the line, but the line adjusted, right? Mm, or if the line didn't that, adjust, you should be fading it. Yeah. Well, that's the market saying it doesn't matter. Right. So here's what I think. And, it, and I think I said this last week, so I want to say it quick. Golden State, they say it's not that that lineup of death in the NBA. And sometimes you can't connect football to the NBA. Watch fast. Is the lineup of death in the NBA <laughs> is something that doesn't, that, that it's not that that lineup is worse than it used to be. It's rather the other teams are used to playing against it. And if you think back when Belichick was visiting Chip, Chip Kelly's camp and everything to understand what he was doing, it was truly innovative. Now it's a variation on a theme. And Chip Kelly might still be the best at it. I don't know. My sense is each generation is going to get better because Lincoln Riley spent his whole career thinking about spread and spread principles, obviously under Leach when he was in his early 20s. And Leach was a true innovator at that. So kind of funny. I I actually, uh, my best buddies or my best friend's brother was a uh, was one of the innovators of the uh, run and shoot the Mouse Davis stuff, but then he was doing it in college. If you look in the record books, he was the coach at uh, Emporia State yeah. in Kansas, and he had a one year his super back they called it had, led the whole country in total offense. You know, so he actually ended up being Leach's associate head coach for a while, and then he had a scandal or whatever, and now he's uh, not in D one, but he really understood that offense and he went and interviewed like mouse davis who was one of the originators i think he was did some stuff with the lines at some point when they were running and shooting and that's how they call it a verb and obviously (laughs) now the spread principles are very different but a lot of it came from that the run and shoot and it's funny there's a guy named griffin that was at not georgia state but georgia southern that was a true interview it's so funny because it was almost like a chess, like Bobby Fischer used to talk about in the 60s, no one cared about chess in America. He had to learn to read Russian 
and he would get the chess magazines in Russian to read them. So there's this little club of like 60 people in the country that really cared. And like at the time, the run and shoot stuff was this little tiny club and they all knew each other and they all helped each other. And I was around those camps a little bit. It was interesting. It was fun because I like anything. It's like a conspiracy. It's like it's not what the mainstream is doing. You're off to the side. You're making a bet. Almost like we made a bet on sports betting content being important. And here we are. But uh, it's fascinating. The uh, Oh, remember how Mommy was yep. one of those guys? Yep. I mean, wherever he went, that offense was fine. I mean, other th- you know, there might have been laws or whatever that were being strained, but a lot of, a lot of offense. I'd be an interesting kind of like Ringer article is the evolution. I bet someone's done this article, the evolution of the spread offense and the very, because again, if you look at the AFL, they were doing some wild stuff, you know, when they had to compete with the NFL with all the passing. But anyway, no stories. No, we'll hold those for another time. Or maybe the end of the pot. Maybe that's a good thing. You know how they say after you eat, if you're full, or you're not full yet, they say wait ten minutes. And if you're not, and if you're full, don't eat. And if you are, eat. Well, no. Let me say it like this: <laughs> You're done eating. You're thinking I could have another half a plate. They say wait ten minutes. If you're still hungry, eat. If not, you don't need to. If I save my stories till the end, the question is: Are they important enough to wait? <laughs> yeah. And if so, tell them. All right, that's a good one. But first, no. So, Fez, you actually like Cincinnati in this game. I do. Is it just because you think they're under – this is a pure value play? There's a second factor. Little brother versus big brother. you got to feel that Cincinnati is going to get sky high for playing the Ohio State University. Now, who's Ohio State got next week? Let's look that up. Because it strikes I think me – Indiana. If it's another kick oh. – That's correct. It is in, Indi- in Indiana. And what would you guess that line is, Brad? Ohio State's going to be about a 17-point favorite. Okay, so if you're 17 this week, 17 next week, wouldn't you say a new coach makes them less likely to look ahead? Yes. So, yeah. so They're Brad, not going to look ahead to Indiana. But it's still, they haven't lost to Indiana since the late 80s. It's not the look ahead. It's that this is the most important game of the year for Cincinnati. You could make the case. And the Cincinnati coach, of course, used to be on the Ohio State coaching staff. Not just used to be. He was lived and bled yeah. Ohio State. He played there for five years. He was on the is coaching this Fickle? staff. Yeah, yeah, Luke Fickle. Okay, but what I'm saying is, did he get kicked off the team or did, to go take a head job? Or did he take a head job? He took a head job. So why would they... Why would there be any animosity? I don't think there is, but I, I got to think he's never going to publicly say this. And I still think, I mean, he loves the Ohio State University, but I think he looks across at Ryan Day and thinks deep down to himself. Oh, you got a problem with Ryan Day. No, I don't. Not you do. No, I'm just saying if I'm Luke, if I'm Luke Fickle, right. I got to think, hey, you know what? Why is that not me leading the Ohio well, then State then All he has to do is look at the schedule and the wins and losses the year that he coached. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? The situation he was put in—they lost their last, their best five players for the first five games of the season. Let me let's think about this. If Urban Meyer was the coach, what do you think the record would have been? Well, Urban Meyer is one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. Okay, let me ask you this: Go back until Earl Bruce days and show me the seasons like that season. There wasn't one until you got to go back to 1988, John Cooper's first year. Okay. Wow, see, I didn't. Re- that was my freshman year in college. Yeah, they had a losing season, RJ. How could you miss that? I never liked Cooper. Yeah. When this, <laughs> I guess and then when they kept winning, I didn't care. Beat yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys, you know, we haven't talked about What do you think of Day? 
after he blew that Rose Bowl lead last year, I really didn't care for him too much. Up by 25 points. We're laying four and a half. And this guy's hiking the ball with 20 seconds on the play clock. And then he's passing the ball on the last three drives when they didn't have to. All they had to do is run it. They're going to win by double digits. I, so wait a minute. On one hand, you're saying he was too aggressive. Didn't have to be aggressive. You're up 25. RJ, you're dominating Washington. They're but not even it, in the game. Okay. So wait. All right. So you're saying... Oh, in each case, you wanted him to be less aggressive. Right, right. Okay. Take your time. Run the Clock ball. management, yeah. I, you know, no <laughs> Urban Meyer, that's for sure. Well, it's funny because that's what you would say. I mean, isn't the main complaint amongst the, the new school guys, Fez, is, oh, they're sitting on the lead. They're, I mean, typically when the other team now can score 21 in four minutes or whatever, aggression's a good thing, right? Exactly right. I'd say nine out of ten times coaches, when they're up 20, are not aggressive enough. And, but now we're going to blame him for being too aggressive. <laughs> Though, again, I don't understand this because some of it's about substitutions. Whereas if you come up to that line, and, and, and to me that's the fast-paced offenses that are interesting. They're going to get you up to the line. They're not going to let you substitute. And then they may snap quick and they may not, which causes a lot of tension. If you know if we're six seconds left on the clock, you know it's coming. Yeah. But if, you're, if I'm ready, goes, I, you and Fez are going to race – we're going to see if anyone can break 9.0 in the 40-yard dash or something. <laughs> and if I say in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to say ready, set, go at some point. Oh. I mean, imagine sitting there, right? Tense, you're going to get yeah. tense. You're going to, obviously, it's not 10 minutes, but if you can go from anywhere from 25 to 5 or 1, I think that's an edge. That said, let's accept I don't understand all of that. It seems like you could run the clock down and still be aggressive. Like, I, I, I don't want to – to me, if someone's not running the ball, I trust their judgment on that. But why snap the ball with 20 seconds if you have the lead? Just in general, it doesn't matter how fast-paced anything is, meaning the opponent, the modern era, don't you want less plays? Exactly. And so what you do is you just have a, like a code, a color code. You say green, and green means – or red. Red would make more sense. Red, and that means everyone rushed to the line of scrimmage, so they can't substitute. But we're not going to – Oh, so Fez actually has this all planned out. So we're not going to snap the ball for at least 20 seconds when we say red. You know, so red in the play call, and that way that's the signal for everyone not to tighten up. We're not going to snap it for a while. Hmm. Now, how many yards rushing did you have in high school? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Passing? Zero. Tackles? Zero. Kisses with girls. Zero. Un- no, no. Nah, unknown. <laughs> it wasn't a big number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the, there's the chalk. You want to talk there about it? <laughs> so I don't know about all of Fez's theories. It does seem like you want less plays. Yeah. So other than the fact you lost money, Ken, if I said even money, will Day win a national championship in the next – 15 years. Even money? I'm not going against him, no. I'm not going against the the Ohio State University. But you don't know he might only be there a year. Fickle was there one year. That's that's true, but I'm not going against that track record 15 years, a long time for that Mm -hmm. school and not to win. Because, yeah, if he doesn't win it in five or six years, he'll be gone for sure, max. Especially if he don't make the playoffs. What do you think, Fess? Well, if he's only there three years, you win your bet on the no. Unless he has a health concern like Urban Meyer, spend time with the family. I, I, th- I think no is a great bet. Really? His career, 15-year, yeah. let's give it 15-year horizon. Doesn't matter where he does it at. It could be at Ohio State. It could be anywhere. 
Because if he flames out at Ohio State, it's likely he's going to show up at Toledo or some other place, a big downgrade, right? Are you bowling green? Better be, better, be better be careful for this year. I'm telling you, that team I agree. has players. Sure. Brad? I think it's a fair number. That's what I tend to do. Because I do believe in the Ohio State University. Here's what I'm going to say. We said it last week. I'll say this succinctly. Urban Meyer wanted him. The school wanted him. He wasn't the obvious choice. Whenever that's the case, they probably know something we don't. Now, on top of that, 28 nothing, eight minutes into the game. Yep. Final score last week? 45-21. Didn't cover. Nope. We all would think, anyone would think, a rookie or a first-year coach with something to prove in a way. I think he runs it up. Yeah, that's why I lean with the Buckeyes on this podcast. That was my reason. I think it's a sign of his confidence. Remember Al Pacino and Devil's Advocate? Because the only problem I see with you to Keanu Reeves is you're flashed. you got your hair back. It goes with me and they never see me coming. Does, does they benefit from raising the stakes? Right? Because right now Ken's in a minority saying Buckeyes could win it this year. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, if that was normal conversation and the Buckeyes make the Rose Bowl but finish sixth, let's say, in the AP poll, we think, great year. right? Like right now, the over-under, if it, whatever you would set, that's an interesting question, Fez. Over-under AP poll final, where do you put a high state? Seven. Well, I'll go. That's funny because I'm pro on him. I, I think that number's being skewed by what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if you, tired of losing bets. No, I mean, honestly, though, is what would you put that? I mean, think if you didn't hear me being pro, which is going to bias you just. No, not, I really thought seven was a good number. RJ, I, I, I had Ohio State under. It's one of my w- win totals. I played under 10 and a half right now. I would cancel that bet out if I could. And what did you see since that made you want feel that? Fields is, is, is just the X factor coming in there, and I think the guy's better. And like you said, maybe they called off the dogs, so to speak. They don't end up covering against Lane Kiffin. I don't know how good Fields is, but I think we'll find out a little more in this game because when you get a team like Cincinnati playing Ohio State, there are going to be a lot of these kids that are going to know each other. Cincinnati may not be intimidated, but Ohio State may say, you know what, I know you're not intimidated, but we're just that much better than you. Hmm. Brad, have you watched the tape on this game yet? I watched the first half with Fields. Okay, so once they the were up 28 nothing, yeah. do you feel like Ohio State got conservative on purpose? Everything that I read said that they got conservative. What about the first half that you saw? Well, I mean, I had my question marks about Justin Fields. I mean, n- number one was he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Justin Fields was the second. Only Trevor Lawrence in the last 20 years has come out as a higher-rated quarterback, uh, according to the experts, than Justin Fields. And I thought Justin Fields... Physically, 6'3", 230, was built to play immediately even more uh, than Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, he kind of flamed out at Georgia. I mean, that's what you would say. Couldn't beat out Jake Fromm, transferred. I had my question marks, and he had them answered nine minutes in the game. He had four touchdowns. But against? Yeah, I know, Florida Atlantic. And we may, I mean, Florida Atlantic was down 42 Who else was competing with Fields for the starting job at Ohio State? They that Matthew Baldwin, and he's just not that good. Okay, because that, that to me is always the question. I'm not worried about him not beating out one guy at one place. Coaches get by. I mean, you never know, right? And, again, these are kids. 
So, but initially we thought it was going to be Tate Martell, right? We thought that this yeah. guy was going to be the heir apparent there, and then he ends up transferring to Miami because it came across that Justin Fields was going to beat him out. Oh, so what you're saying is ultimately there's only one guy there now, but there was a real quarterback. Yeah, Baldwin company. was also there, but he transferred. But what out. I'm saying, he transferred because yeah. he got vanquished. Yeah, that's true. Right, and that was a guy that was pedigreed, right? Baldwin, kind of. I mean, he was expected then to go and be the, the quarterback at TCU, but then they denied his eligibility. Hmm. And styles are different, too. You talk about Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's not really a runner, you know, so he's a, a very accurate passer, and that's where Kirby Smart ended up going, leaning to that, where if he leans to a dual threat, Fields can yeah. be the right. guy. Right? Yep. Here's what I know, last thing for me on this game. We can all agree Ohio State did not try to run it up. That's yep. not even a question. Yep. A first-year coach, you would think he would. Yeah. That tells me he's trying to hide how strong his team is. Just There's no rationale not to do it. Because remember, alums bet on the team. The, the, the coaches know the spread, 100%. And I remember the famous example. My buddy, same buddy, my best buddy, was at Kansas State at the time. And they were playing Oklahoma when Switzer was still there. This was early, early, like 88, 89. And they were like minus 42 or whatever. They were up by like 52. Two quick touchdowns by Kansas late. They brought, I think it was it was a Jamal Holloway, I remember. They brought their starters. They were off, they had their pads off. Mm. There was no Twitter at this point. They brought their starters yeah. back in, ran the option down the field, got a touchdown, and covered. <laughs> I mean, that's Barry Switzer for yeah. you. But they, I mean, Ken, you watch, oh, yeah? the coaches care. There is no As a doubt. big favorite, especially. The biggest thing, and Andy Katz actually got upset at me on ESPN. This is back four years ago. I'm doing uh, Matt Schick's show, and I'm the Vegas guy. They're talking college basketball. Coach K is coaching Duke. They're playing Utah. The spread is five and a half on the game just about everywhere. Six at Bovada, five at a couple shops. The game is sitting on five. Uh, Utah scores to cut it to five. Then they reach around. DeLon Wright reaches around. Quinn Cook ties him up. Should have been a jump ball with two and a half seconds. They don't make the call. Wright's looking at the official like, are you serious? Quinn Cook gets ticked because he's still trying to hold under the door. Ball, he shakes his arms. And literally, the ref's arm goes up. Simultaneously, the buzzer goes off. So Utah and Duke shake hands, walking off the court. Meanwhile, they pan over. Coach K is blowing a gasket. I mean, just freaking out at the scores table. Now, he's won the game by five. Both teams go to the locker room. What do they do? They go and they grab both teams out of the locker room, put .9 back on the clock, put Quinn Cook at the free throw line, a 90% free throw shooter. He misses the first one. Makes the second $14 million switches hands here in Vegas. One of the first times I've ever saw R.J. Bell. He was on SportsCenter discussing this game. Really? I don't yeah, even remember you, that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, <laughs> if Ken was the Vegas guy, yeah. I must have been busy. But I well, guess I was on, on RJ, here's the best. Andy <laughs> Katz, because Andy Katz wanted to talk to me about that. And so I said, well, Coach K has always gotten you know preferential calls. One in doubt, Deuce getting. And he said, next thing you're going to talk to me about UFOs and conspiracy theory. I go, Andy, look, you asked me to come on your show to explain what we was feel Was that the last time you were on? It was the only time he ever had anybody. No, it was the only time Andy Katz ever had anybody on talking about gaming because he was dead set against it. Okay. And so, you know, Matt And he Schick, figured you would poorly represent it. So he no, was Matt, Schick, Matt, Matt, Schick, Matt Schick told him, you know, the way I came across and stuff. So he wanted me on there and tried to shoot me down. And I stayed strong. And I said, no, you don't understand. We know the way college basketball well, and other sports All joking work. aside, Ken, that yeah. seems like one of the dream, meaning that scenario would seem to prove. 
Because I don't think Coach K at the end of games is hoping his guy got the extra two free throws. Like, you got to, if you had that tape and then also had tape at other times where there were buzzer tight situations that didn't affect the game and didn't affect the spread and how Coach K didn't care, that would be interesting. Yeah. And I'm just speculating because I haven't seen him do that too often. No. That's fascinating. RJ, I'm telling you, man, he was he was tripping out. And they panned and, and caught him there, and then they quickly got away from it because the game was over. And, you know, next thing you know, though, what are the odds? The game is sitting on five, and they go bring both teams back out of the locker room, and Quinn Cook shoots the two free throws. And that was the craziest thing. He's 91%, and he missed the first one. So now it's all on this second free throw. Could it possibly happen that he misses two, but he makes it, and all the Duke boosters made their money? By the way, you look good on that hit on Sports Center, RJ. What are you trying to I say? I came away impressed. No, I came away <laughs> Oh, you impressed. mean the, Oh, thank you. You present. I didn't meant you. Ah, I thought you said those well. blue eyes were sparkling. <laughs> it's usually the eyes that get some there, bro. I'm just telling you. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm thinking of pushing the green button. So, Brad, I want to get quickly your take on this game. You know, final thoughts, Ken, and I'll decide. Here's man, this is I'm gonna sound kind of square because I'm similar to the guys here. I think there's a chip on their shoulder for not only Luke Fickle, but also the Cincinnati players. I actually I know it's not a big spread, but I'm concerned that, you know, I just saw in week one that Ryan Day didn't want to you know, spread his wings is what I, I use the term. And to me it didn't look like he wanted to get margin when I thought and expected he would get margin. I'm not sure he wants to go and embarrass Luke Fickle. Yeah, but when you're only laying 16, he was only laying five in the Rose Bowl. I, well, oh, well, of course, first I was off, laying, that's a different situation. I was laying seven. Right? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I think it's vanilla, too. Meaning, if you're a new coach, there's one time you get to spring your default tricks on an opponent. Right, meaning when you're in your ten, maybe you can come up with some stuff in the off season. But this, he's had. It's almost like they say the first movie a guy ever makes, a gal ever makes, the first book you had your whole life coming up with ideas and stories. What? Springsteen's first album. Yeah, except I, I think Greetings from Asbury Park is no better than Wild Innocent, The Street Shuffle. It certainly isn't better than Born to Run. So you're actually making the opposite point. Well, I just <laughs> think he has like 10,000 different thoughts in that first album. Oh, that's an interesting. Place. Well, he was trying to be Dylan, too, right? It was very, yeah. But that, I think generally first rock albums are the best because they do, it's the same theory. They, they have the, a lifetime, a young lifetime usually, but a lifetime of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think it's a sign he's mature enough to hold back some of his stuff because he didn't need it, and it might come out against Cincy. Yeah, it's just a lean for me, so feel Ken, free. quick lean or like Yeah, I leaned on Cincinnati just because of that internal deal as far as both teams having a lot of players from the state of Ohio and surrounding areas. I thought maybe, you know, the line just looked like a backdoor cover. That's why yeah, I See, but Cincinnati. I think there's another side of that. Doesn't Ohio State want to stab the last team they want to lose to is an in-state team. I, I agree, and I I don't think they're going to lose, and I don't think they're worried about. Don't you think, what, what was the look ahead line? What did was there an early line on this game? It was right around seventeen. And the so other, so think now yeah. we're down a full point off a key number because since he looks so good against UCLA. Yep. Two extra days rest for the Bearcats as well. High State had after the first eight minutes rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, all right, I'm going to give you a chance to get a bet. Here's the thing. The market's 16. Now, the way we go typically is whatever's on the sheet. The sheet's old. So you, I'm playing against Steam. I'm sure you got one of your little nerdy computer friends gave you this pick. 
So at, at the current market price, I'll bet you. Yeah, let's do it. I like it. That's starting off strong. Ah, Fez is in trouble. All right, here's what we're going to do. Ken has his radio show, so we're going we're gonna to pick a couple quick games and get Ken's thoughts on these games because we want to get his best stuff. Ken, you like A&M. Right now, plus 17 and a half against Clemson. I do. And there's a lot of it comes into the coaching. I mean, I like Jimbo Fisher a lot. Jimbo Fisher's a guy at Florida State, you know, went into Death Valley many times. This was a game last year that was nip and tuck. In fact, A&M had a chance to get even near the end, missed a two-point conversion. But I like Kellen Mond. To me, he's that kind of quarterback for A&M that fits in this type of game, a blue-collar type effort. And I think he'll keep them close. Now, we were all worried about, if you're an A&M fan, about the running game, and Spiller and Corbin stepped up nicely. Now, I know it's Texas State, but at the end of the day, those two guys over 100 yards, both of them, uh, decent receiving core coming back. I think Texas A&M is solid all the way around. Trevor Lawrence, he wants to show better than his stats. I mean, anybody that has him for the Heisman, if, if I told you the guy's going to throw for less than 200 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions in their first game, but they get an easy win, not an easy cover, as they get a late field goal with a backup quarterback in to get the cover. But Travis Etienne, the running back, outstanding over 200 yards, takes pressure off Lawrence, but I think A&M's run defense will be good enough to slow him down so they won't have a couple of those long, easy touchdowns that they got in order to put themselves out in front of Georgia Tech early. I think A&M is going to stay within 14 points in this game. Uh, really, I think it could be a one-score game. I don't think they're going to win it, but I like Kellen Mond and I like A&M and I do like Jimbo Fisher. I give Sweeney a lot of credit. He's a great coach, but again, this is uh, a, a guy that won't be intimidated and it's Jimbo Fisher. Okay, you got some thoughts on this, Brad, but just again for Ken's schedule and, and guys, we had a little... Uh, technical difficulty before we got the pod started late. We're going to be starting by 4.15. means Ken will have over two hours, so should be the last time, knock on wood, he has to leave early, or he doesn't get to stay we, for the whole can, pod. We can push it 20, RJ. I'll, I'll, I'll 20? Give you All right, 20. that's perfect. Then let's continue. Then why don't we do this? Let's, because I've got two or three, two more games I want to go over. His best bat and one other game. So, Brad, why don't you, let's finish this game, though. You actually agree with Ken in this one, right? Yeah, I like Texas A&M. So double like. Double like. And Ken, you used the right word, their intimidation. Not going to be an intimidation factor for Texas A&M. I think that's the case with a lot of teams going up against Clemson. Maybe they're beat before kickoff. In this case, Texas A&M last year on their home field lost by two points. And I think they feel like they should have won that game. I know you look at the box score, Texas A&M outgained Clemson by 100 yards in that one. And I also think there's some value looking at last week. If you're just looking at scores, reading finals, oh, A&M, 1 by 34, that's about where the spread was. Oh, Clemson, 1 by 38, that's right around where the spread was. I think there's some value because Clem, uh, Texas A&M was much more dominant, in my opinion, than that final score indicated. They threw an interception in the end zone that caused a scoring drive that came up zero for them. Meanwhile, Clemson, very fortunate to cover. You got to Georgia Tech team first and goal at the one, a goose egg. They get zero points. So I think that's creating some value. And Trevor Lawrence has gotten an entire offseason where people are talking and calling him a generational quarterback. He looked tight last week through two interceptions against Georgia, not Georgia, Georgia Tech. All of last year he threw four. And I've seen this throughout history of college football. These guys get hyped up all season. They get the extra scrutiny. And at least early, they're playing tight. We saw this with Sam Darnold a couple years ago. He became, Ken, you know this, a turnover machine mm -hmm. his last year there. I think 
I'm not saying he's going to be like that, but he certainly played a little tight in that opening weekend. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, great point about that. 41 nothing final score turned into 41-7 with a last-second touchdown for Texas A&M's opponent. Jimbo Fisher, he was your favorite, Brian. I love Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite like that. Yeah. Now we're looking to Florida State. You were on this pod last week saying, yeah. oh, Jimbo <laughs> Fisher left the cupboards bare. It's like, what? So at certain positions, he does. Oh, at certain positions. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like the girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> not every girlfriend, but the girlfriend that says, oh, yeah, you took me out those 17 days last month, but, you know, on Tuesday, we were only one out of four. Right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's not net, buddy. Yeah. Florida State. Now, you look at what Florida State did Oof, not this good. week. You got to wonder, do you reevaluate? I mean, how right now, Jimbo Fisher, if you're starting a program, it's a snake draft, where do you take... Uh, I guess at what pick? How many coaches you take ahead of him? Maybe only four or five, RJ. So you're still it. there. I'm still there. But somehow he leaves at Florida State, well, and, the, and they can't beat Boise after have, making them bust. Yeah, and, and having like a uh, having like a Woodstock at the and game. You're up 18, and you're the team that's getting dehydrated in the second half against a Boise State team that's never in their program history played in the state of Florida. Yeah, I'm off the Willie Taggart train after that debacle last week. But you're right. I mean, now that I look at it a little bit more, and I see Texas A&M, in my opinion, was going to take a step back this year. And they, they looked apart opening weekend. There wasn't a lot of mistakes from them. They were a clean football team, especially on but defense. But looked apart, not stepping back, but looked apart as a good team. Yeah, as a good team. Yeah. And great point. I, I guess what I'm saying is it feels like if Jimbo Fisher's as good as people think, he Florida State couldn't be this bad now. Or this is where the difference is between recruiting and coaching. Maybe you can make the case he never had great players, but he was such a good oh, coach. Oh, he had great players. Okay, and so Florida where State are they? still has good players. Where are they? What do you mean? Meaning they can't they can't beat Boise? Well, they fl- they flashed in the first half. It's the team 31-13 to start the game. But, but why is that finish? more pertinent than the cuz people could say, "Well, boy, you know, mm-hmm. once they got their feet and it was a noon start, right? Which yeah. was is once the clock adjustment and all that, look how they dominated." I think a lot of could say, "We should actually get kind of like you guys debating yourselves well, when it comes to the early game, late game. They had their more? espresso and they were fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, there was an article posted today that Willie Taggart says, hey, my team wasn't in condition. That is something you can con- control. Especially in Florida where exactly. you know you're going to be hot. All right. So, That's coaching. All right, so, Fez, you have any opinion on Sam? None. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Two more games. We're going to get Ken's early bat. I mean, this is going to be a bonus early best bat. And then I'm going to tell you right now, Ken, don't get nervous. I'm making a commitment. Every pick that Dave Esler has crossfire on, I'm betting for Dave. Meaning, I'm betting on Dave my own money. Again, he's been winning since Moses wore short pants. I've seen, I see the thousands of plays and the percentage, Fez. You don't want to buck him. You don't. That's what I'm saying. You are going to, though. Wonderful. Just the whole season. <laughs> I'm with Dave. And then I might buy him a pastrami sandwich if he wins me money. <laughs> I'm not giving him a percentage. That's I'm a not break. Sure, yeah. not sure about the legalities of that. And that's why Dave doesn't bet. We, listen, we don't mess around. We know we're under the microscope. Cross state lines, don't do it. But first, though, Ken, I'll sing the Blossom song. What's going on with the few? No, no. Go ahead. 
What's the uh, your? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. First, we're me. we're jumping ahead. We're gonna do okay. your best bet, and then we're gonna do one other game that you have a disagreement on with someone. All right, I'm gonna take a shot on Missouri as far as the best bet. So your best bet's a shot. Well, no, it's not a <laughs> well. Based, based a on, shot in the dark. You know what? Based on the way they played in the second half against Wyoming, uh, you know, it, it it looks like it could be a shot to some people out there because I'm still laying two touchdowns in Columbia. West Virginia, they come away with a win against James Madison, but, man, were they ugly. They could not run this football at all. And that's where Missouri blew the game against Wyoming. Not only maybe people say the altitude, whatever. I just thought they got sloppy and they played poorly. Now, I thought Kelly Bryant, the transfer from Clemson, played outstanding, over 400 yards passing. If you give me that type of effort at home and also give me some type of running from a guy that I think is one of the best running backs in the SEC and Larry Roundtree third. You couple that with a solid tight end and a good, solid defense led by Cal Garrett. I think Missouri's going to blow out West Virginia. West Virginia, had they lost the game, and they probably could have and maybe even should have lost to an FCS team at home, then you're not getting any value here. So although 14 seems like a monumental line for a team coming off, laying double digits, and losing outright, I think it's great value. I think Missouri's going to win this game by 20-plus. I like it as well. I'm on the Missouri side, and... Sorry, this is something you'd bet. This is a like, and this is a game that I have bet already. I don't want to pay the $50 fine. But here's what I saw in that, in, in that Wyoming game last week. It was clearly a misleading final. Now, don't get me wrong. I was disappointed with Missouri's overall performance, especially rush defense. They were gashed by Wyoming. But in that game, Missouri was minus three turnovers. And it doesn't get any more important than these three turnovers. Bear with me. One turnover was a fumble. Returned 30 yards for a touchdown. Another turnover, Kelly Bryant threw an interception in the end zone early third quarter. And then one of the plays of the day in college football as far as impacting a point spread. Final play of the first half, Missouri's at the one-yard line. They're going in to score a touchdown. They fumble the ball. Wyoming picks it up, runs it back. Kelly Bryant tackles the guy at the seven-yard line. Clocks run out, so okay, it cost him possibly a touchdown. No, he horse collars the guy, sets Wyoming up for a field goal. They make it a 10-point play in the final play of the first half, gave Wyoming all the momentum in the world. Because of that, I think there's a little bit of uh, value here on Missouri. I'll lay it and play it with the Tigers minus 14. So you talk about that and you say a little bit of value? What does that mean? Well, I mean, the, the market's been all over it. I mean, this line eleven. But yeah. what I'm saying is, at the current number, you you are would bat it. Yes, I would. Okay, so there's not a little value. There's enough to lay one ten. Well, that's some of the value. The other value is what Ken, Ken mentioned. Missouri's weakness is the rush defense. They gave up nearly 300 yards last. No, week. I understand. But net net is a handicap. You'd bet it at the current number. Yes. So that's enough value to bet. Yes. You said at the end of that long handicap, you go, and so there might be a little value on Missouri. A lot of value still on the Tigers. I like the Tigers. I bet the Tigers. Or you, or you don't. And that's the thing we don't talk about, the, the, the fine. I don't want to hear about Brad or anyone's line they got. in. Co- Listen, if you see on a show where someone's saying, oh, I, I laid the four and a half, and the four and a half was out there for 28 seconds, nah. you know, come on. Right? Even if it's true, I don't want to hear about it. What do you got, Fez? Yeah, I lean Missouri. Missouri minus three turnovers. So we got a best bet. We got a like. And you're presenting the lean like you're Ted Baxter. He's going, I lean Missouri, and let me tell you why. Yep, yep. Missouri minus three turnovers, and West Virginia. He's like, was, I prepared this. 
West Virginia was plus, <laughs> I'm gonna say it. plus three turnovers, so we had got a six turnover differential. Oh, that's, so that's pretty. One. That's pretty large. You know, that would be an interest. We could Ooh, wow. is I if you say net net yeah. is you know maybe that is the threat. Well, you know, you would think five would get there. Five sounds like a yeah. Game. Like I wonder if in week one, if each of the games are game one for each of the other teams, and the one team had a disadvantage, I guess, over the other team of five. So if one's up five plus five and the other one's zero, then it meets a criteria two and three. That'd be interesting. I'm going to query that. Yeah. Okay. If I remember right, and, and I, I don't think I do or you would have mentioned it, isn't Missouri a team that does well as a, a, a double They digital? do. I had So how, how is it that you didn't mention that? <laughs> I didn't because they just lost it in a double digit. But why does that? It's back to small sample. That's what I think is going on here. Ken's saying I'm taking a shot. Yeah, it's his best freaking bet. (laughs) And 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 Brad at the end of a long winded (laughs) handicap goes. There may be perhaps a little value. Little value. Eh." It's like no guys. Look back at the last five years. Look at your record. Come in proud. Yeah. All right. They're eleven. The stat. Yes. So prior to last week. I want the stat updated. Well, they're eleven. Missouri's now eleven and one straight up in the double-digit favorite role. Nine and four against the number. Prior to last week, they were covering those games by two touchdowns per game. All right, but nine and four. Yep. Even with the updated number. Even with the updated number. But because it lost the last one, you didn't give it. Doesn't that show you that your mind yes. is worried about small samples? Yeah. I got to get ten percent of his. His uh, not, his 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 net takeaway this year. So you're going to look back in a couple of years and say, "RJ, you were so right about that." <laughs> and you, listen, the game might. Ch- Here's the thing: in a weird way, if the game changes, you just kind of understand you're going to flame out to some degree. Like you can, you're never going to find out that the game changed fast enough not to have a horrible season. Because if you do, it means you've also made changes five other times where you shouldn't have. I think you just accept games don't change that often. You know, the fundamentals of what wins and what old oh, now uh, experience doesn't matter. It's like, why? Because of one game, you know, or one week in one year? Eh, I think, it, you know, I think a lot of things stay the same. All right. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Fez, wouldn't you agree in general if someone says react over re- or react to short term or stay the course? Thousand points light. Well, you talked to me about the thousand points of light and how you felt that because I'm so I'm so into like with the radio show every day that I'm like trying to like spin on a dime and and make adjustment too quickly. Yeah. Stay the Listen, course. Here's the thing. The guy that sits there and says, OK, no problem. See what happened. Count the money at the end. That guy gets more respect than the guy who's ping ponging around. Exactly. Worried about what some goof on Twitter says in his mom's basement that just got <laughs> broadband. <laughs> All right, last thing from Ken. Thanks for staying. Is this is a game I can't lie. I don't want to intimidate you. That Mr. Dave Esler has the other side of. Oh wow. And I'll be proxy betting for uh Dave's pick because I trust him that much. And it is Miami of Florida, North Carolina, current line, North Carolina, or Miami of Florida favored by four points. It's down from six. Ken. Okay, here's why. My, first off, Miami's well-rested. They got to watch the North Carolina comeback. 
<laughs> led by freshman quarterback Sam Howell. They outscored South Carolina 15 nothing in the second half. We find out that South Carolina quarterback Jake Bentley may have played a good portion of that game with a broken foot. He is out for a while. Here's the thing. I like Miami's Jaron Williams. I know he got sacked 10 times against Florida, but I liked what I saw as he was improvising against what I feel is one of the best defenses in the country, a top five defense. I feel nothing like that about North Carolina's defense. I think Jaron Williams will make plays. I think DJ Dallas will have a big game. I think Miami's going to go in there and that 305 chain that they give the guys now when they get the turnover, I think you're going to see that a lot. You saw it four times against Florida. They only turned it over once, but this Miami team, they make things happen. I know there was pressure on them. Manny Diaz, somehow they covered that game. Maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe they should have. But either way, they're focused. They're going to go in. And they're not going into North Carolina hoping they win. They're going in there, and I think they're going to name the score. So I respect David. Hold on a second. Hold on. What? They're favored by four, and they're going to name the the score? And the money's going your way. I think you've taken my advice too much about being confident. Right. I mean, there's a reason that this game is one that I circled. And maybe I should. But not your best bet. I was going to say, maybe it should have been my best bet, because I would have probably been a lot more animated than uh, But uh, no, RJ, I I really feel Miami's going to take care of business in a big way. And Mac Brown, if you watched his uh, post-game press conference or his little interview, he said, man, we did a lot of things wrong, plays, coaching, everything, but I'm so gosh darn happy. You know why? Because he's old now. That's why. When you're old, you just care because you don't know how many more games you're going to be. How old is he? How old's Mac Brown? He's 65? Yeah. How old's Belichick? 67. Hmm. Mac Brown's going back. <laughs> Mac Brown, this is his second tenure there at North Carolina. He's just happy to be back amongst old boosters, amongst friends. And look, he was so happy. He was at, in tears. Now, if they lost by 30 and he didn't seem to care, that would make more I sense. I wouldn't have seen that interview. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have <laughs> never had that interview. All right. I, well, listen, we'll we're going to play Esler's Take in a minute. No, I'll listen to Esler's Tape. I got four minutes. All right. Go. Now, what I will say real quick, and this will take just five seconds. Ken came in and said, I need you to play this sound today. This is important to my brand. I have no idea what it means. Let's hear it. But each week, Ken, actually, I guess you said you're going to bring in a piece of sound. So here it is. Nobody gives you power. Real power is something you take. Now, what does that even mean? It it almost feels like he's going to try to take the show over. (laughs) I mean, it could be like a wrestling storyline. I don't know. We better just go straight to Dave. I mean, he comes in with that, you know, no, no sleeves. Funny thing is, as I'm getting asked their sound up, no lie, this guy came in three straight years, never had sleeves once. Yeah. Winter, summer, spring, fall, doesn't matter. I mentioned it finally on air. Next week, he comes in a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> I mean, like, like don't, wasn't that a little obvious? <laughs> All right, let's listen to Ashley. College football Saturday, North Carolina Tar Heels plus six over the Canes. I know, I know, Miami could have beaten Florida. And Northwestern could have beaten Stanford, but they didn't. I love the fact Miami's had the extra time to think about what could have been. I love the fact that Max Tar Heels won a come-from-behind game. I love the fact that Miami beat the Tar out of the heels last year. Situation here is all North Carolina. Last year, that 47-10 game, stats weren't that much different. Turnovers huge, UNC 6. Even looking at UNC's losses after that game last season, None of them were by more than 10 points. So maybe a little more talent that they were given credit for. Maybe Mac Brown is the answer. I think Hurricane Dorian swings and misses at North Carolina, and the Miami Hurricanes do as well, or at best, don't cover the generous six points. I love my home underdogs. Give me the heels plus six points. 
You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. I respect Dave Esler. He's been doing this stuff for a long time, but I respectfully disagree, RJ. Well, that's why we have our $200 bet. There you go. All right, Ken. We'll see you next week. We'll have you for the whole show. Thanks so much for pushing things. Brad, thoughts on this game? I lean North Carolina. Here's what I do expect. So you're going against Ken Thompson. I am going against Ken Thompson. Adios, KT. Real power. Here's what I, I do expect. Something I haven't seen from North Carolina's home atmosphere in several years. I expect them to have an excited crowd base. They've sold more. Good season, point. They've sold more season tickets than any year in the last like ten years, and they just got validation from that double-digit outright upset win over South Carolina. And look, I had South Carolina in that game, and I could sit here, you know, bitch, piss, and moan. Oh, wait, about- wait, wait. If the lead game that you were bitching and pissing and moaning about was the one you did, I'm guessing you shouldn't be. <laughs> Fair enough. I could have mentioned it. <laughs> Anyways, South- KT mentioned all right, South Carolina was up 20-9. to nine. I'm here to tell you North Carolina was clearly the better team. Forget that 15 nothing run out on that one. You look at the box score, North Carolina outgained South Carolina by more than 200 yards. I expect an ascension from their true freshman quarterback. They kind of opened up the playbook a little bit in that third and fourth quarter, and that's where Sam Howell down 11 points, double digits. He led North Carolina to back-to-back long scoring drives. Add it all up by lean North Carolina plus four and a half. Okay, so here's what I believe, and I didn't check every game. I don't know how they start. I mean, again, with college, I try to address the, the best teams, the big games. At Arizona State. Yep. Ooh. Herm Edwards, right? Yeah. I know he started better than we thought, and I was taking some bows. How'd the year end? They made a bowl, right? Made a bowl, yeah. So I think maybe Exceeded did it. you expect – so you don't have to go and, like, smack <laughs> your gums and wonder. It's like – Exceeded expectations. Did they I go over the, of, did they go over oh, the yeah, win total? Yeah. Yep. What was the win total? Five. And how many did they win? Seven. So when you're two full games yeah. over the win total, you don't have to, like, go, ah, well, mm, right? Yeah. All right. That doesn't mean it proves my point, but I believe this. What do kids today, high college players, what do they value? Brand. Yep. Where do you get the best brand in sports? On ESPN. Yep. I where was Mac Brown? ESPN, ABC. Now, if you're twenty today, how old were you when Texas played USC in maybe the greatest <laughs> game ever? Five. So it's been fifteen years. Yep. Two thousand five. Oh my God. That's been fifteen years. Yeah. I would have guessed less than that. So maybe that doesn't but but again in a weird way when you're seven, eight, nine, that's the games you're Your seeing. Everyone's years, talking yeah. about it. It just seems like this people forget at the high point for Texas, forget winning a national championship event. I'm saying wherever you want to say this is the point they were at their pinnacle, uh perception wise. If you would have said next five years, who's gonna win the most games? Texas was of any college program, Texas was certainly in anyone's top three picks. Absolutely. I mean, it was like yeah. Texas was as pedigreed as anyone could be. Yep. It was, I mean, I knew, you know, Big 12 assistant coaches saying, yeah, you know, Texas didn't consider or isn't going after him, so we got a chance. It was like, if Texas went after him, forget about it. Yep. Yeah. The, the, he, Mac Brown had 10 consecutive years with 10 wins or more. 
And the recruiting was even better. And in some ways, he underperformed. Yes, only one title. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but, but even that, he, I mean, against Oklahoma, he didn't dominate, right? I agree. So, and again, and, you know, that's the thing. If you got to play Bob Stoops every year, and again, it's easy in hindsight to say, well, Bob underperformed. It's like, well, just look at the net amount of, of, of big game. You know, he wasn't necessarily big game Bob, but <laughs> a lot of wins. So to me, I think these kids are, I think whenever they have the momentum right now, which they do, it's a big edge. Yep. Because these kids are thinking, this guy I've seen on TV all these years. And they certainly looked excited in that post-game locker room celebration. They were embracing him. So, Fez, tell me if you agree with this or not. To whatever degree this win speaks to the rest of the season. So let's just say we took the fractional percentage chance of them winning the game. Last week, how much of an underdog was North Carolina? They finished an 11-point underdog. So the Vic Free Line said, what was the fractional win? 20%. 22. So, and what was the win total? Like four and a half, five. All right. So what you would do is say, well, whatever it is, take away the point two, meaning this win doesn't count, but we're taking taking off point two to say it's the fair win total from here, right? Right, 4.3. Yeah, would you agree with that? That'd be an approach to do it. Yes. I'm saying that... If you believe North Carolina is better than they see him because of this win, you'd love the over, right? Yeah, and I do love the over. Okay, in that hypothetical. Yes. I'm saying to whatever degree you love the over, I think you've got to like North Carolina this game more. Because whatever we saw from how good North Carolina is as a team, and we can extrapolate it forward, I think that plus the enthusiasm that comes from that upset makes this week more if more affected by this win. And that is a dream pod music statement, <laughs> RJ. Do you agree with it, Brad? I do. Oh. Poor Ken Thompson. <laughs> you can't go against Roy Overson. And this is a pull back the curtain spot for pro betters. They love to play when a team pulls a big upset. They reluctantly, they don't want to back them the next week when they're on the road. So often the wheels come off. But when they're home again and that home momentum situation, it's, and the reason is what you magnified, RJ, what you clarified, is that the home crowd is so much more excited and juiced up that the home field becomes worth more. Kids super excited also. Which is macro, and I'm happy that we're consistent with that. But I think in this case, having a program that's been down, yep. I mean, by definition, even with Mac Brown, it was four and a half wins, you're saying. Yeah. So that's, that's down with Mac oh, Brown. Yeah, they've only won five games the last two years. Combined or niche? Combined. Okay. So it's more than just, hey, I don't, I think they would have been fine on the road. I just think it's ample, meaning this team's excited. It's like, I mean, imagine if you failed at something for years and years. And I'm not talking about some little thing. I mean, something that was the, meaning, I'm not saying, oh, I didn't get this, uh, the way I do the free picks when they're only a pin, you know, like all that stuff is small stuff. But imagine if you literally lost the betting for like three or four straight years where you're just losing and losing and losing. And then finally someone comes in and goes, Fez, I've watched every one of your picks. I know exact. And again, you've only had one losing year in like six, so it's not going to happen like that. And it was, a, you know, it, it wasn't a horrible, I guess it was, you know, it, was, it wasn't quite down to the last day or two, but you could have won, but sure. you know, you've won all but one year. And, if someone came in, though, after many losing years and said, Fez, you're doing one thing wrong. Everything else is right. And he shows you and you think, man, that could be it. And if the first weekend you go eight and one, <laughs> yeah. 
Aren't you going to be excited? Especially if you're North Carolina, and this uh-huh. is a really impression point you're making as well. I, I don't know if I'm no the pressure. Right word. Yeah, that's, that's pressure means predictive of the future. You make a really good point that. So North usually Carol- you can't tell if something's prescient until after the fact. Fair enough. So North Carolina, what's the book on North Carolina? Brad can help me out with this. I believe they've done nothing but lose every close game they in the have. last two years. And what did they just do? They played badly at the end of a close game. They almost lost, but they rallied and won. And I think that could easily turn the no, That's a around. good point, too. All right. Now, let's double back, and we're going to go through with about Ken jibber-jabbering. <laughs> so we went through, all right, Cal Washington. Fez, you like this game. Oh, oh, oh. Double like. Double like. Hey, now. Let's start with Fez. Yeah, I like Washington. It's all about revenge here. Last year, Washington was a double-digit favorite against Cal, and they played a horrible game. They lost by 10 to 12 score. No offense at all for Washington. And, frankly, I think that that is my number one handicap, my only handicap. I'm down on Cal this year, and I get a team that's laying double digits. So, hold on. It sounds like there's two handicaps. One is revenge, and one is you think Cal is overrated. Uh, yes, and I do think Cal is overrated as well. But I don't want to go into the details as to why Cal is overrated. I, I love the revenge for so, Washington <laughs> in this game. I don't want to go don't into mind the, that guy. I don't forget wa- that man behind the curtain. I don't want to go into the <laughs> details. Hmm, Fez, why don't you do this? This is actually good. We'll get like a because we'll, I'm actually thinking of getting a voice synthesis. Or it's a thing where you can do voices. Just for occasionally, we'll get a computer, we'll, we'll get it set up where so it does a computer voice, and it will go, my computer, and you'll speak into it, and, but it will, your voice will sound like this, and it will go, my computer specialist makes the game 5.8, <laughs> or whatever, and we'll just know that, that, that you're pretty much being handed the pick. Thank you for sharing with us. If you have any observations, you can make it outside of that. Because to try to act like that's why you're making the pick, you were given this pick. My, my, before you the, were given this before pick. the season started. My wise guy said, "Bet Cal under." It's one of my biggest bets. To okay, pay so what Cal. you're saying is this is your pick, but the the assessment that Cal's overrated came from one of your sharks. Correct. Okay, so that's fine. I actually take that seriously. I mean, I'm fine with that, Brad. You very fine with yeah, that. Yeah, but there are times you just pick the game. Because some, you know, someone you trust gives it to you, right? Yes. A victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. But Brad, you like it too? I do. Here's where I think there's some mispricing on Washington. You know, it's funny, Brad. You're giving Fez a look almost like you thought he looked at your notes or something. No, 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 not yeah, at all. I'm interested. Well, the revenge is a big factor for Washington losing. And remember, last we year. always got to mention if something's obvious, why does the market not price it properly? I mean, not a lot of serious bettors are going to move the line or unaware of the revenge. That's a good point. Right. Here's where I think the market You're is. just going to ignore it? <laughs> it's part of it. I hate that. I mean, the early money has come in on Washington as well on this one. I'm not sure the original bookmaking line was aware of it. I will say that, RJ. Mm, I think we've seen that. And again, let's give some credit. The Circa? Yes. Am I yes. pronouncing that right? I always, I mean, I've heard it a bunch. For some reason, I do a double take every time I look at the name. Uh, they did the world openers. They did. Now, what were they, for college, what were they taking, Brad? Uh, they're taking two dimes on sides and one dime on totals, too. I'm stunned that they opened totals as well. But they did tweet out that if you bet before anyone else hangs numbers other than Circa, that they'll take 5000 What? 
Really? Yes. They said if you bet before. You know what we should do? All joking aside, we got to get Brad down there. We'll get you bankrolled. Now, follow right. me here. I mean, you either have time or you don't. And, or we can get someone else down there, but you'd have to get the numbers when they come out. Yep. And I think we go for the five, but what I'm saying, we put a little together here, and then, but we just cherry pick. Maybe if we play, you know, 10 games the rest of the year, just stuff you think the yep. line's off by. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were beating Avello up with his, and let's give credit to yeah. Win, um, with the 10 best picks of the year off those early numbers, what do you think the average variance from your number to his number was? Understanding key numbers matter, but let's just talk generic. Yeah, four points. So for you, that four is like, yeah. it, it only it happens about 10 times. Yeah. So what do you think? Our edge is, uh, what, 15% on those? ROI? Yes, let me do the math here. So we got three and a half, four points. Let's call it four points. We'll win 61%. So eight, that's 16% edge. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so to me, we get 5,000 on 10 times. I think, let me see. Let me do that in my head real quick here. That's 50,000. <laughs> ROI on that, Fez. Is, so that means we make uh, eight, 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 eight times. It's not bad. Yeah. Tip, tip your valet, Parker, 10 bucks. You'll high roll you. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I think there's something to this. We got to figure this baby out. Uh, I love it. But that seems count. I mean, to me, God, I got to. I mean, listen, everyone's. Ha- you know what happens, though, is when the wise guys start stroking a casino, oh, you got to give credit to. That's a sign. It's like, oh, this casino is going to quit this sooner rather than later. <laughs> we got to make sure they think there's PR in it, right? I, yeah. I had a conversation with Cirque, and I said, it's great with these high limits. I, um, we'll, we'll see how it works out in the uh, supervisor. So why would you even say that? Because I'm concerned as whether it's going to work out. Oh, so what you're saying, now here's, here, here's the code here. <laughs> this is Fezzik 101. I mean, it only takes me a millisecond to know where he's coming from. <laughs> All right, let's scat. So here's the thing about Fez. For an individual, and he's got his minions, but he's the one bankrolling it all, the big bankroll they used to call Arnold Rothstein. But the reality is one guy usually isn't betting as much as a syndicate. So Fez is thinking, well, wait a minute. The limits are probably, I'm guessing, tell me if I'm correct, He's smirking like he's got it all figured out already. Is the limits are higher than you need them to be. Correct. <laughs> and you figure, oh, why let these goofy syndicates put this guy out, you know, scare this guy off? Because whatever pain he's willing to take, if you cut the limit, whatever degree they need to be cut to reach your exact amount that you're willing to bet in a good spot, you wish they were exactly that. That way, it extends out the losing, assuming they lose as long as possible. Correct. <laughs> Oh, Fez. You ever have anyone know you like I know you? It's a little scary. And you know what's funny? It, Brad, how, I mean, you could listen. It was, he hardly yeah. got it out, and I knew her. Yeah. I mean, that was weird. Yeah. That was weird. Because I know how I think, but the funny thing is I only do about half the things I think. I hope you do them all, because if you're thinking of another half, <laughs> I don't even want to comprehend what that half is. I mean, it might be puncturing tires. I mean, who knows what it is? All right. Well, let's give them credit. I do know, and I always forget the name of this place. There was a, You might remember, but I think I've said this once you didn't remember. There was a place 
that it was off where like the beach was. It was one of these nightclubs that was hot in like the early 2000s. And the thing that was there before it was a guy came in and said, we'll take whatever bet you want. Was that Sport of Kings? I think it was. Yeah. It was and before, were you here for that? I was not. So the, they pretty much said, bring it on. And uh, they were out of business. I think it was like nine weeks or something. Oh, I mean, and again, remember the market nowadays, if you just, now again, if they're opening up, give them credit. But if you take big limits and say, I don't care if Billy's batting me or whomever these days. And again, I don't know what Billy's doing or not doing. But um, I think you wouldn't get beat as bad. I just think it was just more bad numbers back then. Yeah. Where if you just had the market up, you were just wrong a lot of the time. right? I know I was beating it from Ohio. But again, I had a guy that had the... He had the USA Today, or he had a 6.30 line report, mm-hmm. Eastern, and he let me bet till 7.30. That was not good for him. <laughs> but he kept taking it, right? Which you would think always taking it because I'm sharp, but he was only taking a nickel. You know, I, I mean, I was uh, in college or whatever, but since I was just pretty much, I had my six or seven games, and then I would play the line moves, meaning not more than that, amongst my six or seven, where did I have a better number at 725? I'd play it, and it was really good because my handicap wasn't bad at the time, and then I had at least a half a point, if not a point, right? So at least it's taking care of the VIG. Right. So if your handicap was worthless, you were going to probably Well, that was not the case. Exactly, and that's what you want. Oh, (laughs) okay. No, no, you got good point. Meaning the half point took care of the VIG. Right. And... Since I probably averaged a point, it probably went beyond that. Though, again, in basketball or whatever, half points, what, seven cents usually, right? So, okay. Now, we got Fez figured out. And, guys, it's simple. Just think, when Fez does something, when he says something, even when he's thinking silently, you know what he's doing. It benefits Steve Fezzik. You know how they say follow the money? (laughs) It's simple. What benefits Fezzik? And that's what he's doing. Like when he puts two Mountain Dews in his bag to go home from the commissary area at the pregame office, that's benefiting Steve Fez. He probably did the calculation. Okay, I got to carry 32 ounces, but I'm saving 80 cents. And again, he does it at lightning fast speed. How many can I take out and attribute some of them to Brad so they don't know? Yeah, Yeah, He's looking at all the angles. It's like on The Sopranos. This is actually great. It's when Artie Bucco lent money to the French dude. And the French dude, it was like uh, somehow going to be a new vodka, right, in America. And Artie said, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, because Tony said, hey, we'll lend the money. We'll give you a finder's fee. And he goes, no, no, no. I've always missed out, Artie said, on these kind of deals. I'm going to loan it to me. And, you know, he's going to be a Shylock. (laughs) Well, as you could expect, money Guy said, I'm not paying you. It didn't work out. Business risk. Artie tries to kill himself. Tony comes in and says, don't worry. I'll take over the debt. You don't have to, you know, worry. And then last scene of the show, Furio is at the door ready to collect, right? Who is Tony's muscle. But what happened was Artie Bucco said, oh, I see it now. All along, he goes like a hawk. Seeing a little bunny rabbit from a mile away, it was like you saw this. And you, he goes at lightning, he said at supercomputer speed, you calculated all the angles. 
and you figured, worst case, I eat for free. <laughs> and like the way he delivered it was great. And the funny thing was when Tony was talking to Melfi after he said, she goes, well, did you? He goes, uh, maybe. He's like, that's just yeah. the way his brain thinks. He's like, I'm, he, you know, there's certain people. And Fez is like that. It's, it's not. When Fez has to think, he gets into trouble, to be honest. Would you agree, Fez? Oh, no doubt. It's instant. It's, it's like that. Did you read Blink by Glanwell? You should read it. Maybe in a way you shouldn't. Mm. Because it's almost like whatever you're doing, you should just keep doing it. Because <laughs> right? sometimes if you overthink, if it comes naturally and you overthink it, it can be a problem. Yep. But, I mean, Brad, you didn't know. I mean, you never met. Uh, uh, back on the turnip truck, truck in the, on the farm, did you know anyone like Fez? No, <laughs> he's one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> but even in Vegas. No, no, you meet some Fezes in Vegas. It's just the difference is Fez... Is a little bit more educated. Yeah. That is Northwestern. He's got, in some, and there's two other cases. Because in poker, you meet guys as smart as Fez all the time. And again, it's a rare thing. Here's the thing, though. They either have problems that Fez doesn't, where it's oftentimes drugs or, or compulsive gambling beyond the game. They have an edge on, like poker, right? Fez, you've seen a lot of that, right? Yeah, crossover problems with gambling. And... The paradox is, and I usually say this once a calendar year, and it's worth saying, your willingness to gamble and lose is necessary to win. What? And this was something, again, that it really, I, I recommend this book about once a year. It's called One of a Kind, Stu Unger. It was written by a guy you know. Yeah, Nolan Dollar. Yeah, you might want to say the last name. Nolan Do- yeah. Dollar. Uh-huh. No, you said Nolan, and then you kind of waited and said, ah, Dollar. All right. I've never met him, but he's always been nice to me, you know, uh, on the internet, whatever. And he's a he's a rascally fellow, right? Like he's uh he'll get in feuds, it seems like. He's usually right? Is that yeah, he'll post about politics, he'll post about religion, yeah, he, he'll post about bad pancakes. Nothing's off the table. Yeah, he's like one of those old those guys that pre-internet that you would see him at the poker room or and, and again, I'm not saying I saw him, I'm saying people like him. Where hey what's up buddy oh they they raised those uh, they raised the flapjacks to a buck ninety nine now and I guess they're stopping serving them at nine thirty right exactly okay and I like those types because I mean you don't want to OD on them but they they usually are seeing things accurately right it's yep. just you know a little over the top with it so anyway he wrote a, a book and again I respect anyone that f- writes a book from start to finish that is really a book meaning. It's a, it was attempted to be a piece of art. I'm not talking about some junky, and again, to some degree subjective, but if the effort was there, I value it. It's hard. I mean, I spent a couple of years after college uh, attempting to do fiction, and I thought a lot of it was good, and it just was hard. And I probably wasn't suited for that as a career. It was better for me to be a surprisingly decent writer for Grantland or something than try to be an average novelist, maybe, if I was lucky, with a few maybe brilliant paragraphs would have been maybe the, the top ceiling for me. He wrote a book about Unger that was well-researched. I mean, he spent a lot of time on it, but this is what he said. He said, if you're not a compulsive gambler, or let's say a problem gambler, and I thought it was great in, and I love this movie, and it's funny, there's a new contingent that seems to love it, but most people don't, uh... I'm in a mental block. The movie with the guy, Eric Banyas driving around. Lucky you. Lucky you. And to me, I mean, and it's so funny because I have no idea 
if his dad, you know, Tom Hagen, <laughs> I, you could say, uh, I don't know if he knows anything about gambling, but a great actor like that, they can just, they can understand the soul of anything, it seems like. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, does he paint? Does he, he wasn't an oil, oil prospector, right? I know <laughs> that from There Will Be Blood, my favorite movie of the century, is... He just, Duvall just knew. And it was great when they're at the uh, White Cross, right, where it used to be there, mm-hmm. is, and they're playing the, the old game where they play with each other. You know, I, I didn't know that game. Did you know that game? I did not. Yeah. And what he said was, he goes, oh, he, uh, the kid was talking. He goes, oh, he thinks I'm, oh, she thinks. I think it was talking about, I can't remember who it was. But she, the, the son said, so-and-so thinks I'm compulsive. And the way that he said compulsive as shorthand to not that I'm a compulsive gambler, but like it's a phrase that amongst their crowd, they're sharing like, oh, he's compulsive, which unless you are inside that scene, it doesn't make sense, right? Compulsive, you know, and and he goes, well, are you? And it's like, it's a great thing because he's saying, even though you're my son, this is something only you could know. And it was just, I mean, what, what makes a great movie and again, this isn't a great movie. It has great moments. Mm-hmm. What makes a great movie is there's greatness in the small things that you don't even understand, but it makes it feel true. All right? Think about a really good movie. You look at The Godfather. It could be any scene at any time, and it feels like you're watching a hyper-realized version of truth, except you got Al freaking Pacino there, and you got Brando, and you got some of the greats, and, but it's true. And you think of the even great actors are all in bad movies. Why are they bad? It's because it doesn't feel true. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, I love movies, so it's a whole different thing. But <laughs> going all the way back, this, this one of a kind Unger, great story. Unger's interesting to start with. He got very lucky when he won that third one, though. Remember, it was like Ace Four or whatever? That was the one outside. And. What he said was to win at the highest limit at the big game, you got to lose first because you cannot, no matter how good you are, and I don't know if anyone's ever done this, but he goes, no matter how good you are, you're going to go up, it's going to be a different gear. It's almost like being a rookie. Like imagine if, uh, oh, Peyton Manning had retired after his first year. He had one of the worst years a quarterback's ever had. Yeah, 28 interceptions. Right? I mean, it's as bad as it gets. Yep. If he said, this game's not for me, I just, I could play in college, I can't play in the NFL. Well, isn't that analogous to going up to the big game and going bust out? Because what's going to happen, no one's going to stop with half their bankroll because that assumes you're saying, I'm, I'm admitting you're not up for this game. And we all know that irrational exuberance is part of being a better, right, Faz? It is for most. Well, it, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I, I would progressively go up and say, well, I think this game's but poker, too much. But, but here's the thing. Poker wasn't your vocation. It wasn't your passion. It was a way for you to get out of the house and make enough money that you could feel good. You know something? I could take a limo home and buy a bunch of gifts for the wife on the way, and I still made money tonight, right? I could have made a living at it, but you're I right. No, not no, a no. Good living. I didn't ask about what I could have made a living of a poor one as a novelist, <laughs> but it wasn't what I. Right. So what I'm saying is you're great. At any point, did you think I should quit sports betting to play poker? Never. All right. It's different, right? Yeah. 
so you were, I don't want to get, I know this isn't my main game. I know there's people that are spending all day on two plus two and the other sites trying to figure this stuff out, playing at this limit. I'm still winning. If I start to feel like I shouldn't be here, I'm going down one. Right? Yes. Okay. It's the same way I felt because it wasn't my thing. I mean, I, I, you know, I've had a lot of fun with it. I've done well. I've, I've probably won, but I bet I've won a two or three hundred thousand. I'd say that's the number I was going to guess for me or for you. For you, two hundred fifty k. Because I'm thinking. I mean, it's been twenty years. Fifty k a year. If you're playing, a, you know, getting oh, fifty k a year would be a mil. So, but, but no, but that, but, but like maybe three to five years of, of playing oh, okay. a lot, yeah. and then like okay. Yeah. So I mean, listen. I couldn't do that today. The game's just a lot. I mean, have you been playing lately? You know, I've not played all year. You know why? Because you went a couple of times recently <laughs> or before that, and it was like, geez, this 2-5's tough or 5-10's yeah, tough. Well, figure out the opportunity cost of losing a dollar an hour versus winning it. Yeah, so, so the reality is, and, and in a way, Brad, you know, again, it's different because you've got other revenue streams. But if I recall, and again, I guess when you come to Vegas, it gets easier, not harder. Because you got more outs, you got more of a network. I guess in poker, poker's the great, the, the perfect. Well, I guess what would be analogies when, and Fez, you went through this. You're single at a certain point. You're betting and you have your straight job, right? And for you, it was VP at what, age 35? Yep. And how much a year? This was what year? 1999. And, and how much were you making? 160. Jesus Christ! Imagine this schmo with that. With, with were you still were you dying your hair at this point? Just starting to. Oh my gosh! So you've been dying your hair for twenty years. <laughs> at least he has. I hope that stuff doesn't seep into your brain. <laughs> it's possible. So you had your stray job. Yes, but do you not also hold a day job, paying job, a, a square job? You had your square job. Yep, Monday through Friday. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing Monday afternoon. Through Friday lunch. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never took off early for Vegas. Now that I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you were working on the way. No, I, I, would, I would always like work late, like, ah. like Wednesday or night or Thursday night, one or the other, because I would take off a lot early on Fridays. <laughs> He's making all that money. Then you're thinking, look at all the money I'm making here in Vegas. And you're single. You were counting blackjack at the time? I was. And you're betting sports? Yes. I mean, think about it. He was rolling in it. I bet the Hollywood prostitutes were ecstatic. I mean, <laughs> I I just think, I'm just guessing. Not saying I know anything. <laughs> like, imagine Fez was one of those dudes, because there are, like, a certain strip clubs. Again, I've heard rumors. I don't necessarily go. Is if a guy, they say, oh, Bobby B's in town. So there's this Russian guy that is literally running guns or whatever. He'll come in. I'm speaking hypothetically. His name's not Bobby B. And... He spends 15000 a night, but for him, it's nothing. Like, if the way he moves, oh, he's in Miami this week, a girl from the club might not work that night because Bobby B's in Miami. But if Bobby B is in Vegas, even though they don't know he's coming to the club, they'll work thinking there's a chance Bobby B's coming. And if he does, it's going to be, you know, 4K for me. Imagine if Fez was like that, where the, where the pros. <laughs> I don't think he has that leak. In Hollywood, oh, the pros in Hollywood were thinking, oh, Steve's out of town. You can take tonight off, honey. <laughs> I'm not saying that's true. I would watch that movie, though. Lucky. Oh, all, right. <laughs> all right. So, bringing it all back home. 
in poker, let's use that as the example. You can't go to the big game and win the first time. Almost no one does. They said on average, I think Daniel Negreanu said this. He said, I think people who end up sticking in the big game go broke three or four times before they do. And it was actually in this book he was talking about. He did. All right. And until you get that experience, you can't beat it. Because how do you replicate? There's no simulation for it. The two plus two guys don't get, they might get five, 10, 10, 25, whatever, 10, 20, 25, 50, but they don't get this. There's like, you know, maybe 15 people in the world that can do that. And maybe you play a little bit worse when you jump up because now you're scared. Maybe the first time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way though, who's coming back the fifth time after going broke? And I'm not talking about losing. I'm talking about you call your mom. Mm Mm-hmm. To make sure to make rent. That's what broke is for a batter. And I think it's if you're compulsive. And that's why if you think about it, wouldn't you say Phil Ivey with the dice is, you know, again, rumored, allegedly. I'm not sure you had to say that, but I respect Phil Ivey. You know, his saying was life would be too easy if I didn't play craps because he's so good at poker. He needs some stress in his life. Right, And this is such a powerful point. You would think if you take the best, let's just say poker players, of the last 20 years and said, all right, any given year, let's take a top 10 and look at who all made that list. Because it's going to be Doyle would have been on it many of the years or whatever. Ivy maybe. Chip Reese. Yeah, before he passed away. Chip was as good as anyone, they say. Uh, and he was right. You know, he played, he did win that first uh, mixed tournament or one of the first ones got a lot of respect there but amongst the players Doyle was like and remember you know I should I should bring this in one time for us to re-listen to and we'll put on the pod is you know Chip was the one that tutored Billy Walters on poker so when he was on our ESPN radio show and it was his first live interview like in 10 years I think it was the last one he gave is he said and this was Billy now was on with me and Malinsky is he said, you know, I lost, I lost, I lost. He said he lost his house once pitching <laughs> quarters. Imagine, you know, he said by his own admission, he, Billy drank a lot, he said. He was in Kentucky selling used cars, if I remember. He went to the bar, came home, told his wife, we got to move. She's like, in the middle of the night, she says, what? Lost the house. <laughs> and it's like, how? Pitching quarters outside the bar. I mean, think about it. The, the most respected batter in sports. I mean, is it even close? Like, who's number two, Fez? Well, I don't want to. Yeah, but what I'm saying is amongst the Sharps. It, was there he, is no number two. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is this guy, even the the smartest, elegy, egotist, it's like, you know. And again, we could do a whole thing. I'd like to do a whole series on Billy because to me it wasn't how – good he was with his picks. It was his ability to manipulate the lines. Mm-hmm. And it's just so fascinating because he, like, like judo, he used the weakness of the books because they, oh, they saw the early bets here at Chris or wherever back in the day. And it was like, oh, let's all move. And then he bet three times as much the other way. <laughs> he really wanted to get plus seven on the underdog, not yeah. plus six. And, Think about it. I think Billy was in his early 40s when he moved to Vegas. So at that, you could have snapshotted his life 
and said, stop, commercial. What's everyone thinking? Oh, what a loser. Gambler, mm. drinker, not a family man. Came out here. Chip taught him how to, or uh, by his own admission, play poker. And remember, people don't realize this. He actually got second place in the Super Bowl of poker up in Reno. Um, Billy did. I mean, like, when it was against everyone, Doyle, Chip, and all those guys. Again, you could say one tournament, but he was a pretty good poker player, he said. And then also Chip helped him with bankroll management. And obviously, if you read the story of the computer group, there was a guy that had the picks. Right. But Billy always was the mover. And the idea you could stop time and say, you are a compulsive gambler. Oh, it's the greatest winner in sports betting history. Phil Ivey, as good of a poker player. Compulsive? I'm not going to say that because at a distance, but it seems like he plays a lot of negative EV games. Why, why do you do that? Unless you need the action. The millions of dollars of poker a day he's betting effectively isn't enough. <laughs> right? And that's kind of my ultimate point is you think if you're getting all the action you could need at poker in your positive EV, what kind of person wants to play more at a negative EV? A compulsive person. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not that. Meaning, if I got no action and I'm in Wheeling, West Virginia or something, <laughs> that sounds like I lost a bat. If I'm in Wheeling, which I grew up 10 minutes from, I'm going to play the dogs. Right? Nothing going on. It's Friday night. Whatever. Okay. I'm negative EV at those dogs. I promise you. History dictates that. No debate. But why am I doing it? No other action. But if I just bet 15 games, went 10 and 5, made my nut, and I'm thinking, what should I do tonight? I'm not thinking i got to go bet some negative EV <laughs> horses. And, Fez, I don't think you're like that either. No, I'm a complete square. You don't want to go gamble with me for fun. I'm no fun. Well, that's not square. That's sharp. <laughs> yes. Right? Brad, you're not, just, you're not just chomping at the bit for... No, not at all. In a weird way, that makes us well-suited for what we're doing, mm -hmm. which is make, you know, hopefully good money betting, but you're not going to reach the highest level. Because we're too wussy in terms of our bet sizing. I think some of that, you know, bankroll management, which means you not, I mean, you've never gone bust, though, right? Nope. You know, in a weird way, people would say that means you've been too conservative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, to me, it's in, but in poker, I think poker's different because the thing about sports betting is betting more doesn't give you extra experience. This is almost like a video game that you can't get good at it till you play it. But the only way to play it is lose a thousand dollars an hour. Yeah. yeah. And it takes you long enough to get good at it that you go broke a few times. Right. But here's the last question. How many people went back the fourth time and the fifth time and the sixth time, et cetera, et cetera, and literally they've been broke for the last 10 years because they think the next time's when I figure this game out. So for every Daniel that it took those times to show he's really in it for the long haul, there's 5, 10, 20 other guys that are literally living at the Oasis or whatever. <laughs> Down there on the strip saying, eh, next time it's going to happen. And they could beat 2550, which puts them amongst, you know, the top a couple hundred players in the world probably. But that's not good. They, they keep wanting to go, which I so love that. But, boy, that sounds like almost like a, a Greek mythology. You're rolling the rock up the hill. <laughs> what do you think, Faz? 
I'm thinking about the the game where Archie is is his first name. The yeah, guy, well, the Kralis probably not a good example because I think he was a negative EV in a lot of what he did. But he built up this enormous. Well, he got roll. hot. He got hot at Binion's. Had all the chocolates. Lost them all. Five thousand. Yeah, but when you're negative EV, <laughs> right? You can't play Kralis unless he. I mean, how do you yeah. win at Kravs? Uh, there's yeah. guys. How who, do you win at Kravs? You can, with Benny Binion watching. <laughs> You know that you think Benny doesn't know about those slide it, rolls and all that? It's not the slide roll, but but I think it does. Do you think ago. Benny knew about it? When first, I'm pretty sure he knew about it. Benny knew everything about anything he had bets on. Yeah, I, I lost a bet. Once I mean, you and your buddy that writes the Advisor magazine don't know anything that the A guys at the casinos know. Because you know, know what I, the A guys are making. I know. I right. but I did lose a side bet to Stanford Wong where he had, had this dice control guy, and I said this is nonsense. He isn't going to win. And I went there, and the guy won one the data sample of one. But he he how, was how many to bet. throws was it? He played for like an hour and a half. And you figure if you're negative EV, you got to have an edge there. I figure, but yeah. do you understand if if Stanford Wong is making a bet, and <laughs> it's kind of back to why I didn't bet his five. So you yeah. actually went against RJ's basic premise: yeah. you don't bet someone at something it seems like they're going to lose when they know if they're going to win or not. Well, I wanted to see it. I thought it would be. Well, how much did you bet? So it was. I lost like five hundred dollars. So Stanford exactly Wong brought out a guy. To show you <laughs> one for five hundred dollars, we said a hundred dollars per 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 roll. He would we, we would just oh, have so the you were cross booking it. Yes. Oh, so yeah. you could have lost making, a time. Yeah, and he was making his money. I'm guessing. Awesome. I'm guessing you got off easy. I, I Stanford asked me if I wanted to do again. I said, oh. yeah, not, <laughs> not at this table. Maybe <laughs> maybe we go to the win or someplace. That's well. Do you think it was about the table? Yet. Yeah, you need a like not a spongy felt. You need like a like a hard felt. Yes, mm. to be able to do it, so it stays on access is what it's called on access. Access or it's access. Access. So not what you said. Not what I said. No wonder Stanford. You said easy pickings here with this guy. <laughs> there I go, and I was this VP. <laughs> Were you even living in Vegas? This was right when I had moved. Oh, he thought it's like it's like the girls getting off the bus in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> But Fez said, I'm sticking it through, yeah. baby. He's still here. Yep. 20 years later. Oh, so what year was your first year? 2001? Yeah. We'll have to do something to celebrate Fezzik's 20 years. Yep. Who knows what that would even be? <laughs> Go back and get the pros in Hollywood that are like 50 now. <laughs> I said, we get out, Ask the, what he was we like. get out the football and we just, we just uh, go ahead and throw it around. For your 20th anniversary? Believe it or not, that's like, that was fun. There we go. Bananas. I can't lie. That was a story. Yeah. I think it was the best part of the pod. And it was fat. Fez gave some insight. I'm always like to me when Fez says things I don't know. I lean in like I do if it was a show that I'm learning stuff from. Heck yeah. So I, I kind of got to feel what it's like, you know, to listen. And because I've heard some of Fez's stuff, you know. Ten, nine. A bunch. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. I, I am going to think about that distinction with poker where playing at a negative EV is a learning experience. I get, you know, I just wonder, I guess. Maybe the analogy would be things like in-game batting or something, where it's very fast and furious. You think you have the fundamentals for it. Does that feel right, Fez? It does. There's a learning curve that you. Well, I don't think anyone can win when they first start live betting. That's interesting. So, a guy like, did you win when you first started? 
you know, I I didn't, but I said this has got to be beatable. So this was the yeah. case. See, but that's what a poker. That's what yeah. is the poker player would have said about the big game. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's speed through the rest. All right. So we went over Cal Washington. Were we done with that? Yeah. Fez, you like you both like that game. Like the favorite. Double A. And you know what got us off track was I asked Brad about shouldn't the market understand the revenge and yes. we just haven't recovered. Yeah. So what's the answer? They originally didn't, but Oh, that's a good point. But you're betting it now at 14. No, but here's where the mispricing still is on Washington. Anytime a team loses in one offseason, their all-time leading passer and all-time leading rusher, you're thinking downgrade. I'm here to tell you that I actually think Washington upgraded at both running back and quarterback. Certainly from a talent aspect, you go from like a three-star guy, Jake Browning, who's a game manager, a winner, a typical quarterback for Chris Peterson, like a Kellen Moore, a guy that he's had for a majority of his coaching career. Now he goes to the number one recruit out of high school, the Georgia transfer, Jacob Eason. And that, I know it's only Eastern Washington, but Jacob Eason, at least throwing the football, looked better than anything I've seen from Jake Browning the last three, four years. And Ahmed, the uh, running back, could actually be a more talented player than Miles Gaskin. That's something that I think Washington upgraded. Market's not grasping it right now. We don't have time for this. I'm going to put it out there for the next couple of weeks. In theory, if a line's moved three points, let's say from opener till now, recording on Tuesday here, pregame.com offices slash studios, you would think you guys would be on the side of the move and on the other side of the move about equal. Because the theory is the line it kind of settled where it is currently at least. It's not moving as we speak. At least we're unaware of it. And you would think sometimes you're thinking, I want to be on the side of the Sharps. I hate that I'm getting the worst of the number, but I still like it. On the other hand, hey, I didn't like this line. I disagree with the move. I would make a bet that you guys are 80% on the side of the move. I would agree with that. So doesn't make sense. Meaning, yeah, I get you want to be on the sharp side, but not at three extra points every time that you are, you know, like, meaning the games you don't have a like you throw out. Fez, you talk about on Sunday mornings, a, a big chunk of your bets are against the moves. Yeah, I think that's because we record the pod, you know, in the middle of the week. And I mm-hmm. would, and if you ask me if a game opened 11, middle mm-hmm. of the week, it's 14. And if you ask me, what's it going to close at? Yeah, but see, that's the thing. And it's a whole other conversation we won't have now. Closing line value, if it represents true market, like, like, like a liquid market, no biases, perfect. Right? It, it's going to be the sharpest line. I get it. And measuring yourself against that makes sense. But if you're trying to predict line moves, the question is, if I knew for – like sometimes when you say wait on this game because I want to play the dog, you're saying there's a bias. The public's going to be excited. Something just happened. They're going to be betting it. Why aren't you saying I should bet it now because it's going to move? So in a weird way, you got to be careful, I think, saying, am I trying to predict line moves? Or am I trying to pick winners? That's yeah, a great point. And, it's, and you might say it's one and the same if all you care about is closing line value. I don't believe that's true. And I think that could be a leak in my game. I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I love crushing the closing line. Yeah, because line. you know why? Because the same thing I'm saying you guys are fearful of, which is criticism in the short term, the closing line value inoculates you. From yes. It. Yeah. How could I lose with Michigan minus 29 and a half? And if you do, you have a building excuse. It closed 37, else. RJ. Well, listen, if it's eight points, you're on the right side. Mm. And they hacked off every inoculated arm. The genius. I bet 17% of you getting it.
Faz? Didn't get it. Brad? Nope. The whore. Never seen it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Still only in Saigon. They're going to make me a major for this. I'm not even even in their army anymore. Neither of you have seen Apocalypse Now. No. I saw it. Even worse. I saw it once. And what? I saw it once. And then you said something else? I should have remembered one of your quotes. I mean, come on. (laughs) Army, Michigan. Brad Powers. Oh, hold on a second. This confuses me. Fezzik. Oh, okay. Now, why is this a crossfire? (sighs) I might have to dock him more. I mean, he has the leans... I'm confused. LSU Texas is next. Our admin has it as a crossfire. Except Ken has a lean on LSU. Fezzik has a lean on LSU. Brad has a lean on Texas. Yep. So he didn't understand the cross. Oh my God. All right. So this is a <laughs> this is a no like situation, but it's the biggest game of the week. Yep. Uh, let's start with Fez. Sure, I'll lean LSU here. It's all about Texas's win last week where, yeah, they covered 45-14, to 14, <laughs> but uh, they had no business covering, in my opinion. Louisiana Tech uh, had a lot of unfortunate things occurred in the game, including Texas being plus two in turnovers. and Two missed field goals. Yeah, there was a lot that went wrong, and that's why La Tech did not cover that game. And... I got to tell you, when I watched LSU, obviously it's a blowout. It's hard to determine. But what do we know about LSU? When they play a crap team, they win 33-3. to They don't have the offense. And Burrow just looks spectacular, the LSU quarterback. So because of that, I think this may well be a different LSU animal that we've seen in a long time. Because of those two factors, I lean LSU. That's a good point. So LSU's been talking, it seems like, for a decade that the offense is new. We're finally going to modernize our LSU stagnant offense. And for the first time, you know, in that last 10 years, we saw tempo, we saw no huddle, we saw five wide receivers last week, and it worked. And that was an explosive offense. Now, I've been all year, all offseason, saying Texas is overrated. And I actually lean Texas here, plus a five and a half. So, you know... Texas wins and covers week one, but just let's put in perspective how, you know, the market feels, how overrated Texas is. Texas is a top 10 team. They're at home in this game and they're catching five and a half points in a big time atmosphere, a Saturday night, biggest game of the week. You got to think Texas's home field advantage is about four points. So that's basically saying LSU, not an Alabama, not a Clemson, not a Georgia LSU is nearly double-digit, a double-digit favorite on a neutral against Texas. I actually, even though I've been saying Texas has been all overrated, I think this is too much anti-Texas money here. I think Texas is in their preferred underdog role, especially their head coach, Tom Herman, 13-2 and against the number. As a head coach in the underdog role, he's won 10 of those games outright. I'll take Texas playing that disrespect card here. I lean on the Longhorns. Yeah, and I just leaned to LSU because I was aware of how good Tom Herman, you've made me aware how good he is in the underdog role, so just to lean. You know something? One, I wonder about how much that trends out there, meaning, and I think, Brad, you were one of the first I heard on it, but, I mean, even on straight sports shows, you're hearing about it, right? Yeah. I think once it trends out there like that, it's Mm -hmm. gone. Mm. Right, what would this line? And again, I don't know. Like, what what did your power rating say this line should be, Brad? Four and a half. 
So it's even higher. And I'm pretty anti-Texas, and I'm pro-LSU. LSU had the biggest disparity between my power rating and the actual line in the game last week. That was in favor of LSU. I'm stunned that this line's five and a half. I thought LSU would be the favorite, but not at five and a half. The look ahead was what, LSU? I know it varied. Minus two? It floated all all summer. It was right around pick Mm -hmm. So what's changed since? LSU was very dominant in the Georgia Southern game. So against Georgia Southern? I, exactly. I mean, well, I upgraded LSU just a little bit. So why not make a big bet on Texas? Yeah. My line's four and a half. It's five and a half. Five's a dead number. No, no, no. I hear it. But what you're saying is that somehow, some way, it's forcing you to lean Texas, meaning you're biased against Texas and still there's value, the smallest of value in your opinion on Texas. So anyone with a normal. Value on Texas should love Texas. Yeah. Now I have a question for Brad. I know you bet Texas under for a big bet for season win, right? Yeah. Because you've got that bet out there, would this not go ahead and make you think about betting on Texas in this situation, even though you said you think your edge is very minimal? Holy cow. Two positive expectation bets. This is what we would, not against minus 110. Well, if it goes up to six and he makes it. Well, so now you're using some hypothetical. All All right. This is what the show sounded like. Fezzik changes his voice when he asks a question. You ever notice that? And let me ask Brad something. It goes up, and then he's like, it's weird. Like, he's almost like a, I think they call them docents at a museum where they're showing it. And then next, let's look at the Mona Lisa. And it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's like he has the answer in his head and he, like, that he wants. And you can tell yeah. he's trying to lead you there. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You know, I thought you were going to ask him a lifestyle question. <laughs> no. So let's just embrace this quickly. I was, I took a day off. I guess it was it last week or the week before. It was week before. No, it was last week. It was last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was Thursday. And I thought I got to listen to the straight out of Vegas show, Fox sports radio, six o'clock Eastern, 200 stations. I heart radio app. Serious. I guess it's what, 203 most days, 83 some days. You know, to me, 203 is where the fun stops. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some little catchphrase that we can do. So, and uh, obviously, podcast, you can search RJ Bell. It's called Straight Out of Vegas, uh, foxsportsradio.com. A lot of ways to listen. Up 300%. July versus October. Now think about that. Who knows what we're going to be October in October. Now. Oh, so Fez. <laughs> I got distracted. So Fez, you were here without me. Unfettered. Ah, no one here to judge. Is that how you're thinking? I can just be myself. Fez, let, let the Fez flag fly. <laughs> you think? Maybe. All right. So, I mean, it's five minutes in the show. It's Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Doug Gottlieb, and Fezzik. <laughs> Somehow that's the monster I created. I mean, Scott Shapiro, the boss of Fezzik, what did I do? And Jonas Knox, longtime radio guy, young guy, but puts a lot of hours in. He helps with the show. The voice of the fan, as we call him. He just came back from a trip to Hawaii. Now, this guy's not making a ton of money. So after the trip, you hear all about it, and you figure, I got to ask one more question. What was it? 
Jonas, Waikiki or the rest of the no, island? No, 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 no. You said no. You said lifestyle question. Uh, yes. You said one quick lifestyle, lifestyle question. question. <laughs> Waikiki or the rest of the island? What were you thinking? Like, you realize we do this for the listeners. And you thought, oh, this is going to just hit home. I'm a man of the people. Waikiki or the rest? Needless to say, R.J. Bell was back in the host <laughs> chair the next day. Well, you weren't hosting, thank God. Right, right. You just felt yeah. like you had free reign. Is there any chance you would have said that with me here? Zero. So really what we're saying is just my presence helps the show. <laughs> I don't even have to say a word. If I was just, if you like correct, that governor. If you just know I'm listening, that's all. You should know I'm listening. We to want every, you back every day, and that's oh, why yeah, we yeah, did yeah. it. It's what I'm going to say is I'm committed to listening to every show I don't attend. Just for the sake of the audience. There you go. <laughs> All right. But back to that crazy question. Like, I mean, how much were you able to, would you get a dime on the win total? Yeah, a dime. Okay. How much is he going to bet? Oh, I, I thought he bet more. I mean, how, I mean, that's the limit bet, right? Yeah, but it was like his favorites. Was it your favorite? It's some. There was a lot. No, the, the favorites were other ones. Fans. Okay. Other secret ones? I mean, <laughs> well, you got to say I, mean, I don't want to incriminate myself. What do you mean? The, in Jersey, there was some other better opportunities. That's fine, but you don't have to say the number. But who, who, what teams did you play your biggest back? Yeah, some like against the book. We're talking like uh, opener Syracuse over five is just a horrible number. Uh, South Florida under like eight and a half. Those so, are some of my best bets. But you say versus the books, where you have some private? No, no, no. It was just the, the opening numbers. Yeah. No one had at, released college football oh, okay, season okay. win totals. I thought you were saying book. you were on some ex- private exchange. No, 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 no. Just in China, opening, the Chinese, the opening numbers. You're filling orders. No, just me versus the bookmaker. There was no other books open. See, see, and I thought that the difference here was that Texas was a widely available number that you could have bet a buku ton on. Not at- everyone has a mansion and a yacht, Fez. Hmm. When you were 35, you were in Hollywood. With the pros. I mean, come on. Let, let, let this guy grow a little bit. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he's tough. He is, man, putting that thumb down. That's all right. It's funny. No matter if he's in any, if he has any emotions other than fear, you're in trouble. <laughs> like, I keep him scared, yeah. which settles him down a little bit. But when he gets, if I'm not here, it's like, look out. You guys, <laughs> yeah. He's just looking at you guys, little bunny rabbits. He's the hawk. Okay. And <laughs> he better get me now. <laughs> I like the way he has he has an ego, Brad, but he has enough perspective to know he's got things to learn. But he's he he's he's making his way where he's doing well along the way. It's just a it's a healthy thing. I mean, I look younger than him, but it's almost like a proud father. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Not gonna argue on that one. <laughs> no. All right. Army Michigan. We got Fezzik, you like it, and Brad leans it, and you're on the opposite side. Brad, if you feel froggy, All right. we might want to do a crossfire here, but we'll let, let's see if Fez presenting first has anything good. I like Army here, RJ. Michigan was not dominant in their win against Middle Tennessee State. Despite, Did they cover? No, they were laying thir- they're the team that was laying 37, and so they, um, yeah, they outgained Middle Tennessee State by like 120, won the game by about 20 points, never had a chance to cover that game, and basically was unimpressive, and I can't get past the game that Army played last year against Oklahoma, that high-powered Oklahoma team, and what happened? Army, four yards, three yards, five yards, two yards, fourth and one, we'll go for it. Long, time-consuming drives, tick, tick, 
tick. There's a reason the total on this game is 47. The spread is 23. And I can see Army putting up a whole lot of drives, going for it on a lot of fourth and one and twos, shortening the game and covering. I like Army. So the mechanical kind of correlation, that's just simple math. Explain that. Yeah, so you would want to parlay the, oh, in terms of the number of points each team's going to score in terms of the parlay. So, so what I'm saying is it, there's a certain ratio that if the spread is high enough and it's a ratio of the total, it's an auto. Un, if you do like the dog or the under, you want to parlay it. Yes, correct. And so normally you're looking for a ratio of like uh, 40% the spread to the total. And in this case, it's almost 50% spread of 23, 23 total of 47. Okay, so... Is that good enough where you bet the dog and the under, even if you think the number's right on both? It is good. Or the favorite and the over. It's correlated enough. Most books will not allow you to do it. You just need one. You just I mean, need you got one. married. And you know what? <laughs> Someone put up with me. And so it, it's a situation where if you walk up and say, I want a $1,000 two-teamer, they'll deny yeah, it. You don't have to tell them how to do the physics, uh, you know. I mean, we, we got the tape on this. Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. We actually edited out the chaps part. <laughs> so, Fez, we got that part. What we're saying is normal people, they can check to see. They're betting 100, 200 or less. They can check to see, can I get a parlay down? But if they can get a part Now, here, it seems like you would like Army and Under more. Yes. Okay. But either way, blind. So, you would you play both? If both are positive EV, do you play both? I would play both. Wow. That's interesting. So it's quadrants. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Brad. Oh, that means I'm doing it. Yeah. And <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I, no, I'll hear your take yeah, and I'll yeah, decide yeah. to do it. So, you know, I usually run some of these games by like my dad and some of my friends back home. Like and to say, you want to go the other way? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, they told me, boy, because my parents and my friends, they live about 45 minutes from. Michigan, Ann Arbor, and they're like, boy, Michigan better watch out for that Army game. That's a trap game for Michigan. I've heard that so many times this summer. And, and I actually disagree with some of what Fez said. He said Michigan was, wasn't dominant at all against Middle Tennessee. It was just a couple plays, Fez. First off, Michigan fumbled on the first play of the game. Middle Tennessee converted that into touchdown. Then it's basically all Michigan, 40-7. to seven. And then Middle Tennessee gets a fluke, like, 50-, 60-yard touchdown at the end of the game to make it 40-21. to 21. I think Michigan was, you know, a little bit better than that final indicated. And, oh, yeah, Michigan played without three key starters. Defensive tackle Jeter, left tackle Runyon, wide receiver Peoples-Jones. And as I was watching Harbaugh's press conference today, he thinks they all three could be back. That's certainly, in my opinion, worth, when you count those three starters, at least a point there. And you mentioned the Oklahoma game. Oh, and this is what my daddy, dad even said. So I'm sorry I'm comparing you to my dad, Fez. But he's like, boy, Army almost, I mean, they handled Oklahoma. They were had those long drives. Michigan's defense is not Oklahoma's defense. Michigan, exactly. Michigan's defense can get off the field in this case. And guess what? Normally you're thinking, oh, maybe Michigan's going to overlook Army. Well, they just played Middle Tennessee, and Michigan's got a bye on deck. There's nobody to overlook here. In fact, I would argue Michigan was probably preparing for the option. In fact, I've read a couple quotes that they did sneak in some option prep. So you add all that up, I'm taking I'm Michigan I'm batting too, Wolverines. baby. Woo! <laughs> you want to book um, Michigan and over? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So would you like to buy out of this? No. You don't like it, then. I'll just buy out. 
Brad just put you I'm in just the gonna, ground. I'm just gonna, that was like an Undertaker guy. I move. just got two. <laughs> I'm going to sneak out and get me some Michigan <laughs> over parlay. Best rest in peace. <laughs> Listen, this is what you got to say, Fez. And I'm going to show anybody out there that thinks for one second that maybe I'm second guessing myself that I am the greatest of all time forever and ever. I love Ric Flair. But if you're lisping all the way through talking how great you are, I think I'm going to have to go back and do a little de-esser on that. Is where they, they take the S's down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I mean, I'm torn here because, Brad, I think you hit it. When he said, oh, against Oklahoma, it's like, well, if anything, Michigan is the opposite. But now they've got a new car, this offense. Yep. And I don't know what this offense is going to do, but I think they're going to want to – Stretch your legs. They're going yes. to want to get confidence up. And plus, Army might be able to keep a game close, but once it gets to be 17, assume it does, is Army a good team to want to rally back? To, to want to rally back, and then there's a, they throw more than they want to? It's almost like if you like Army, you want to play it on the money line, right? Or play like a, you know, a 10 points. You know, I'd much Alternative rather have, side. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Hmm. Because it's basically, and we we talked about this before with Army, are they going to pick up three yards of carry or four? Plus, let's be honest, too, Harbaugh, now listen, I'm of two minds. On one hand, he smells. But maybe more importantly here, he's old school. You don't think he studied how to stop the option? You don't think for him the principle, hey, if we can't stop, the, it's like the old Woody Hayes, if they can't stop you off tackle, they can't stop you. I think this is the kind of game, I don't think he's going to run it up and disrespect Army, but this line is small enough, you know, where you win, you know, 40, you know, you win 40 to 10. No one's, you didn't disrespect anybody. So that's the only, I guess that caused me a little part, but they'll be up enough if they are, if I'm right, that, I mean, I guess Army could backdoor easier if they don't extend. Maybe I, we in-game this also and look at Army's first drive. First of all, we are on opposite sides. <laughs> well, we can reevaluate. <laughs> and, but, I would, but I would actually worry about opposite or um, first drive just because I think the option, even if you practice against it, might take uh, a little while, yeah. right? Yep. That would be interesting. Betting option teams the first quarter if you just did mm. a study on that. That is, man. Yeah. That's why but if Army doing. gets stuff. I know I said something good there. and That is good. But somehow you want to let, it, let everyone think. And say he goes, I got something. I got. Go ahead, Fast. No, back to your point <laughs> about the option oftentimes being successful in the first quarter. If it's not successful in the first drive. Oh, that's interesting. Right? So you're saying it's not po- – it, it, success doesn't mean success the whole game, but failure is a really bad sign because yeah. yeah. they have an inherent edge. Yes. But if they have an inherent edge, we probably want to look first quarter. I'm, I'm not talking about this game specifically. I think in general. That'd be another – Spring thing, Brad, is that would be interesting. Right? One, First, more. one more. Yeah. What you want to bet another 200? No, <laughs> oh, but uh, because Army's drives last so long, it's critical whether they get the ball or not. Oh, in the first quarter. Yeah. But that's going to even out in the long run, right? I, I don't think so. I think Army huh? might be one of those teams that when they win the coin toss, defers. i got to do research on that. All right. Well, yeah, obviously. But if that's the case, it's going to be built into the first quarter number, right? No, because you don't know who's going to get the ball. But what I'm saying is that if, the team, if one team takes the ball and the other team defers, you would always want to bet the team that takes it in the first quarter, right? 
Correct. Okay. So what I'm saying is if that's a known fact, isn't it going to be built into the line? It's not known. <laughs> Dude, you just said that you think Army is the type of team that does X, which means there's a no, there's the, knowledge. The, book, the bookmakers do not adjust for these. All right. So then what you're saying is instead of us trying to figure out should you play Army or not, you find those spots and play in blind. And I know you've done that in the past, but you're saying that after they're seeing Steve Fezzik banging them on the same kind of plays every, and they don't, they're not doing regression analysis to figure it out? They don't. All right. But somehow you're still complaining about money. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I guess when, you're, when you, you're making 190 from your side gig, apparently, you know, when he was vice president, <laughs> I mean, I guess you just get spoiled. And, and plus, those girls in Hollywood are not cheap. Maybe the spending is the issue, not the earning. Yes. Stanford, USC, and this one, USC favored by one. New quarterback, we talked about it. Brad, you like the total. Yeah, I like the under here. And I get it that both teams are going to have some quarterback issues. And RJ would say, well, isn't it pricing in the number? I don't think so because we've had an entire offseason, eight months of hearing how USC is going up-tempo. They're going to the air raid. More plays. And I, what I saw from USC, a disparate performance in the first and second half of that game. First half, that air raid was working. JT Daniels attempted 34 passes in one half of football. Second half with the backup, the true freshman in, who's going to be playing the rest of the season now, eight passes. 34 to eight. That is so disparate in styles of offense. I don't think the market's grasping that. Similar to Stanford last week. K.J. Costello, 16 out of 20 first half. He gets KO'd. He's now questionable as we're taping this on, on Tuesday night. Backup Davis Mills, very talented, but much more conservative from that Stanford offense. You add all this up, I'm going under. In a big game that means a lot to both teams, where I already expected them to be conservative, I like the under here. And I like a derivative of your under bet even better. I like first quarter, hasn't been posted yet, should be 10 points. First quarter under 10. David Shaw for Stanford is always extremely conservative, does not like to open it up. And now that he may have a backup quarterback that plays into this theme as well. And with USC, with their backup quarterback as well, you got to feel both coaches are going to come out and say, let's not make the first big mistake. Let's not turn it over. So while I like your under, I really like the first quarter under 10 for my best bet on this game. You know, Brad, I'm thinking of fading you here. I don't like to do it in college. Here's my question, and let's get the honest answer, not so much about deceiving to get your bet, because we don't do, you know, audience first. Stanford physical. Yep. Right? USC not necessarily a physical team, right? They can be. Yeah. Oh, come on. They're a past team. I mean, I mean, you tell me. If they're, uh, they were more physical than under Clay Helton. More than what? Than, than what I think the public's perspective. If you have Sam SC. Darnold, yeah, and your physical, seems like you should be in some national cha- or some playoffs. I mean, you won a Pac-12 title, and you played in a Rose Bowl and a Cotton Bowl. It's not I mean, terrible. I, I think they've under they 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 certainly didn't perform like one of the most pedigreed schools. I agree. I agree. I, so Stanford has the physical edge, yes. right? When when I say physical edge, I mean at the in the trenches. Yep. And USC, assuming Stanford scores at all, you know, starts scoring. They're going to feel like they got a pass, right? Yep. What does that mean if you have an inexperienced quarterback passing? High ver. I mean, yeah, means touchdowns, but it also means interceptions, strip sacks. Doesn't this feel like, especially at a total 
of 46 and a half, which is fairly low in college football, right? Doesn't it feel like it only takes one? Like if I over-undered how many of those types of plays there were going to be. So interceptions that are, that are, uh, that the intercepting team ends up within the, uh, within the 30 of the other team, either a touchdown or, you know, in scoring range or strip sack, things like that, that a really good team experienced. You might say the odds of them having one of these against them four to one in a game. Doesn't it feel like that the, I mean, Fez, if we put a number on it, and again, I, I guess we're not quantifying exactly what these plays are, but would you agree the chance of these plays that really add to the over are higher with a young freshman quarterback? Yes. Who's forced to throw because they're playing a team that's better than them because it's at USC and the line's less than three. Yep. Does that concern you? Oh, yeah. That was, that's my major concern. All but you didn't mention it. <laughs> it's funny because when I bring up the trend on Missouri, he goes, yes, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Allow me to mention it. Well, why didn't you? Hmm. And now you're saying this is your major concern, but you don't yeah. share it? it is it just false bravado of a young no, man no, 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 that no. started one in eight? Because, uh, <laughs> fair enough. But it was, it's, it was a similar story last year where USC was playing a true freshman quarterback against Stanford. Stanford, much more physical team. USC got down early in the game, and yet we had a 17-3 final in that game. So the quarterback, so if you actually think that's going to happen, you got like Stanford. Meaning if you're saying, yeah, USC probably will get down, and yeah, USC is going to have to throw, and I think he's going to fail, it sounds like a perfect under, and Stanford is a, a parlay. I can agree with that, but I got to get confirmation on KJ Costello's, uh, it's questionable right now whether he plays or not. If I get an inkling that it's more probable than questionable, then I will have a big bet on Stanford. No question. All right. All right. Okay. This is the time, actually. This is good. All right. God's got an announcement first. Season kicking off, obviously, counting NFL. And listen, Brad has a history of winning, winning, winning. So in a weird way, if he starts one and eight and somehow you avoided it, the odds of you winning from here goes way up. Because even if you're up seven units at the end, that means he broke even on the year. And let's be honest, Brad doesn't usually break even. It means it'll be better than that. No guarantees. It's hard to win. Brad's proven it. Now, here's the special offer. All of you know and it's been the most popular package we've ever had. Brad Powers College, Physics Pro combined. It's out, out there. Now we're adding two additional packages just for this NFL kickoff. Number one, you can get those two in their specialty sports with Dave Esler, who I'm back in every pick. You know me. I win. So if you play Dave... You got a good chance. So it's Dave, both sports, specialty Fez, NFL specialty, Brad, college. Or Ken Thompson. So you get Brad at college, Fez, NFL, Ken Thompson, both. And in each case, when you add the extra guy, you're getting it, both of his sports for about $400. It's a good deal. 200, like 200, like imagine you're paying 200 for Ken's college football. But first, you get steak, but but last but not least, you get steak knives. Oh, wait, no. I am going to give you a coupon. Kickoff 25. 
What does this mean? Well, first off, it's K-I-C-K-O-F-F-25, all one word, all uppercase. Make it simple. That's the coupon you do at the shopping cart, 25% off anything. So if you buy just Fez and Brad in their specialties, you save about $250. You add in one of the other guys for just that 400 or so, you save more. So really, you think about it, if you use the coupon, you get Brad in a specialty, Fez in a specialty, one of your favorite other guys, and all for, after the coupon, like 1200 bucks. So you're getting 600 for a season on each, 300 So it's literally you're getting Brad's college football for 300 Fez's NFL for 300 Esler or Ken's college for 300 Pro for 300 I mean, it's, it's, it's a six-month, five, six-month season. It includes bowls. It includes playoffs, everything. And if you don't want to save as much, better to save something greater than 0.0. Kickoff 25, good through Monday, applies to anything. You just want to buy Brad's package. Now, obviously, the more that you spend, the more that you save. You can use it on anything. Kickoff 25. And this applies, too, finally, to Brad and Fez's original package. It's still available if you want to stick with the OGs, some would say, and then laugh when they looked at Fez's pompadour. I don't think OGs wore pompadours, but <laughs> what do I know? We don't push many packages. I try to make it where when I do, you're thinking, boy, RJ doesn't, so I'm going to consider this. If you're thinking about it, wanting to bet... Not against the pros, with the pros in their best sports, the pros that have proven to you year after year here how good they are, how much insight they have. And we've said it before. When you listen to Fezzik, the last thing you want to do is bet against that guy. And if you don't have his picks, every time you make a bet, you don't really know if you're betting against him. You don't have to play every game he plays. Some people do that. But boy, that knowledge you get, very valuable. Same thing with Brad. You want to bet against his top pick of the college football week? Maybe you did last week. You usually don't. <laughs> I know that much. All right, guys, kickoff 25. And obviously, you're getting immediate access, immediate. As soon as you buy, you just go to pregame.com. You click buy picks. You see Brad's red face. You can see Fez's pompadour. Fez's picture is like 20 years old. Is it? No, it's only a couple. But I think you had makeup on that day. Possibly. <laughs> Add it to the cart. Kick out 25 at the cart. All right, guys. It's time for my gal. Fez, you might like those professionals. I like. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. We are going here, Fezzik, Maryland, Syracuse. I like Maryland. It is my best bet 
RJ, Maryland minus two, and it's all about Maryland being an underrated football team. Why are they underrated? Because of quarterback injuries. This goes back to 2017. Maryland actually had four quarterbacks knocked out during that disastrous year. They had a fifth-string quarterback having to play in 2017. All right, let's go to 2018. What happens to Maryland their last three games? Their quarterback gets knocked out again, so they have to finish the year without their starting quarterback. Well, this year... They get a transfer from Virginia Tech, at quarterback. Kid looks good, and I think it's going to make all the difference in Maryland football. But because of those two disastrous football years, I still believe the marketplace has not caught up to Maryland and is still treating them like they are a mediocre team. Best bet, Maryland minus two. Yeah, and on top of last year, Fez, they had a player die. They fired the coach. There's distractions. There's like a team mutiny interim coach for the full season. So Maryland was a lot better than the record indicated. And when Maryland was playing at its apex, like the game against the Ohio State Buckeyes, you could have made a case. If you just watched the talent on that field, Maryland running up and down the field, some of their guys, that that was not, and there was no fluke in that game. Ohio State was very lucky. So I'm with you, Fez, although this is one that's really moving right now in the marketplace. Yeah, so that's my concern. If you look at the world opener at pregame.com in the game center, it came out somewhere, I'm guessing, better online at plus four for Maryland. Obviously, that wasn't the market for any length of time. It wasn't liquid. What would you consider the opener here, Fess? Maryland plus two. And now you're laying two and a half. Yes. And somehow there's still value left. Yes. Hmm. It sounds like you might have got this pick, you know, on a Monday morning and you just are like, ah. Oh, no, I, I talked to my brain trust actually this morning. They made a Maryland four. Hmm. Did the brain trust bet the the farm on it at, when they were getting points? That's a big reason why the line moved. Oh, yes, they on. did. No, yes, they did. Why yes. well, Why didn't you give it to us before? I gave it out to my clients as a premium uh, pick. You know something? It's almost like we planned this, guys. Listen, we are a snapshot in time here. We are a snapshot in time here. We're going to give you the best information. And listen, Brad has a bad start to the season. What happens? We bust on him. The whole show. Why? Because winners have losing weeks. Brad's proven he's a winner. Fez has a pick. I'm thinking, oh, you're, you're probably taking the bad end of that stick. I tell him. You know we tell the truth, good or bad. Probably too much. I think, Fez, you wish there was a little less truth, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment. Hey, take some getting used to. All right. Well, if you get Fez... You literally, what was the number you gave it out to your clients? Minus $1.20 on the money line. So right around a little, you know, pick them. Yeah. Now you're laying two and a half. It's a difference. And obviously you're not getting every pick here. So this is the biggest game. And we only go over the biggest games, right? You're interested. That's a general interest. If you're trying to win, you want to look at the whole card. That's what these guys do. Okay. Now, unfortunately, I made a mistake. I just, we're so far into the show. We got one best bet left. I didn't do the commercials. What I'm going to promise you is I'm going to do them very fast. And you might think, so that means if you try to forward, you're not, you're going to miss. So just listen, just sit back, relax. I'll make it entertaining quick. Then Brad Powers, best bet. Bet DSI. We talked about it earlier. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. Now, we talked about how this is the time because it's the kickoff of the NFL. There's no other time 
where having an additional out will benefit you more this week, this month, the rest of this year, from here on. That's number one. Number two, there's a special offer. It's 100% bonus match, and this is the way you get it. Promo code BELL101. Now, you're seeing all the way into this show how much effort we're making. (laughs) You might say too much, RJ, just the picks. Well, we're going to do something a little different for you there next week. But you know we care, and you know we're trying to help you win, and there's no guarantees about that. But what I know for sure, if there's one thing, a regular batter, meaning a guy that's got a straight job, a square job, but he's trying to win on the weekends, during the week, but he's got the barbecues, all that stuff. The time it takes to add one out, an additional out, go from one to two to two to three, and that's the two biggest jumps, one to two, two to three. It makes a huge difference to your bottom line, your net results. So it's the best time to do it, NFL start. You've got a special offer with a 100% bonus match, and it helps us. Now, don't do it for us, but if you're kind of, oh, I may be, may, well, do it to help us. If you don't want to, don't do it. If you're sure you want to, do it. But if you're on that middle, think about what we're putting into this. Help us out a little bit. We'd really appreciate it. And again, only if you want to. I think it's a good deal. It's the right time. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. That's a 100% bonus match. Finally, Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Now, week one again, it's timely. There's a million-dollar contest for week one in the NFL, and there's no management fee. First place, 100 large. 100, some would say. I say 100. 100 large. Now, additionally, 10 entry max at Yahoo. So you don't have to worry about all those bots and hundreds of entries. It's tough to win against that. Yahoo's trying to prevent it. And finally, there's the Yahoo Cup. It's free to enter. You can play all season long. So free to enter all season long. And they're giving away $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. Now, how do you take advantage? Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy. Oh, by the way, if in the Yahoo Cup you get a perfect lineup, oh, a cool million, a stick, as they say, as Axe says, Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy. On to Brad's best bet. Brad Powers, 0-1 on the season. Yep. Go. And you'll like this, Archie. Here we're getting the best of the number. This is a market that's driving money against Nebraska. Why? Well, let's face it. Let's look at both teams last week. Both, I can argue, had very misleading wins. But the reality is all those people that bet Nebraska all summer, that line moved big week one. Everybody that bet Nebraska lost last week. So a little bit of negativity over a Nebraska team that didn't look so good. On the other hand, Colorado, who also took money last week, anybody who bet them, they won. So they're feeling good about Colorado. But here, I'm here to tell you, you probably shouldn't be. Colorado's plus four turnovers, and they gave up more than 500 yards of offense. And listen to the quotes 
after the game. This is why I dive into the box scores and the recaps. Colorado's head coach, Mel Tucker, won his opener. Winning is good. We got a lot of work to do, but this is a good starting point for us. That's Colorado after their win. Nebraska won. They won, keep in mind. They didn't cover, but they won. Here's Scott Frost. That's an anemic as an offensive effort as I've been a part of in a long time. That's not the offense I've been seeing all fall camp. Quarterback Adrian Martinez, no secret. We played very poor. Probably the worst we played in a long time. Not acceptable. I like what I'm hearing from Nebraska's camp. And keep in mind, these two teams played last year. It's Scott Frost's debut. Nebraska loses, Fez, despite the fact they have 565 yards on this Colorado team, outgain them by more than 200 yards. And this is why I love that I've been a college football fan my whole life because these used to be rivals, Big 8, Big 12. Nebraska hasn't played here in 10 years in Boulder. But I remember watching these games as a kid. They would be the Friday after Thanksgiving, and nearly half the crowd would be red in the stands, Nebraska fans. I'm expecting that on Saturday, not getting priced in the marketplace. Best bet, Nebraska, minus 3.5. Go Big Red. So what was it, 91? Colorado won it, right? They won it in 90. Was it 90? Yeah. So the games were played in 91. What do you mean? That won the title. 91. Yeah, so Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I say ninety one, I'm accurate. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I yeah, know you. Yeah. <laughs> if I would have had it the other way, yeah, I would have yeah. uh, <laughs> So yeah, no doubt. I mean what was that called? McCarthy what was his name? Mc- yeah, McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. And McCartney, then he went McCartney. McCartney. Then he went to the promise keepers, I remember. Yes, he did. That's interesting. I tell you guys, this was a long one. I said it's an hour fifteen. I don't even know where the time went. I feel like there was a like a fade, like a Star Trek kind of thing. Because we told the one story. We're not going to tell any more stories at the end. I got to tell you, though, a lot of good info. One last thought, macro, and it applies to the NFL. Remember, two pods a week starting now. Subscribe. Might be seek, you know, sometimes Fezzik might get a bug and say, oh, look, Jacoby Brissett just signed a big contract. I want to go talk about it at length. We might do some ad hoc emergency pod. You had a lot of thoughts on that, right? I do. I think, I think we wait till tomorrow. That's a great thought. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Fez goes, Brissett, what, who, what contract? <laughs> week one, in some ways, if you're betting on game day, the toughest week in any sport. Why? Or any football college report. Why? Because the lines have been up for months. They've been picked over. It's like, imagine if you bet week two on, on s- Sunday morning at Circa, it's like you're the first one in a Black Friday sale. All right? Now, you bet after a couple months, week one, on game day, it's like there's nothing but destruction. There's yeah. boxes. Like you're breathing in cardboard because there's so many things ripped. Different. Now, it doesn't mean if you're being contrarian against the move, I'm fine with the game day moves. You're trying to play some bad number. had nothing to do with Brad or whatever, but... I do think coming up for the NFL, it's important to realize if you're betting on game day, you should fade. If you're not fading the number, fading the move, but you're playing with it late, oofa, not good. Tough way to make a living. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. 
Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.